This is the Day Zero Update for November 3rd, 2019. I'm Philippe Odenaldo. I'm Patrick Mifflin. I'm Brandon Perkins. I'm General Victorio. I'm Chris Sologi. And I'm Lee Lamb. And uh, where the hell is the year gone, folks? It's November already. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. I mean, like, once you get what? past Halloween, the holidays hit you at a, in a crazy onslaught. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, it felt like both the longest and the shortest year ever. Yeah. It's like, I've seen Christmas decorations out. And it's like, whoa, 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 guys. Hey, hey, you've still got a month and a half, but no, everybody's getting their shit ready. And the year, I'm kind of looking forward to the year ending because there's a lot of good stuff coming out in 2020, like, you know, Cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, God damn, what have I done with myself? I was walking around Target on uh, Friday because, you know, discounted candy. And uh, next to the discounted black and orange candy was uh, more expensive green and red candy. So I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be discounted the day after Christmas. <laughs> so it's a very strange time of year where you just kind of – you go out and you just look at people and you're like, really? This is, this is what we're doing now. Okay. And – I don't know. By like the second or third week of it, you, you kind of get into it. So, you know, it all works out in the end, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, so let's get into uh, what we've been up to this week. Because uh, apart from the BlizzCon news, well, we've been doing some stuff, I suppose. Uh, for me, it's still, yeah, I'm still playing PC Building Simulator. Met uh hit level 28 last night. I've got a lot of good parts available. I'm doing water-cooled builds. I had uh, I had an underwater explorer with a hatred for fish uh, ask me for systems. Uh, it didn't end well. I wouldn't have imagined it would. No, she was. I'm still immensely curious. Yeah, well, uh, she has this hatred of fish and uh, was trying to plan her route so that uh, she would avoid their migratory pattern, but miscalculated, so... Ended up, uh, you know, uh, being surrounded by them and thought that the uh, best way to deal with this issue uh, would be to uh, for me to install a 1600 watt power supply into a computer and then jump into the water with it on. <laughs> I, I, I sure hope she paid you first. Yes, <laughs> she did. She survived. Um, wow. So, yeah, I, this game is just... Uh, I, I continue to go through the, those little story campaign campaign uh, notes that they they give you, even though those jobs are very they don't pay very much. They're freaking hilarious. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, I also may have been involved in the creation of Skynet because um, I was doing. So you're the one we have to blame. Yeah, <laughs> because I was doing jobs for a mainframe. Um, Sector seventy two was at war with Sector eighty one. That was a thing that happened. But then I got a mail saying that Sector 72 never existed, and we've always been in Sector 81, and now I'm like, okay, this is getting very Orwellian. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm very much enjoying just how how clever the writing is in this game. It's, it's a game that on the surface, it really, it, it, it just doesn't, uh, convey what it actually is when you start getting down deep into it. And the, <laughs> the unfortunate part is that it takes a long time before you get really into it. So, yeah. yeah. So it's not for everyone, but I'm really enjoying it. 
And they did a big update this week. Uh, and then that added a whole bunch of new stuff. We got third gen Ryzen. We got, uh, AMD Navi cards. Uh, got, uh, parts from Azrock, Colorful, and Kingston HyperX. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of stuff there. Halloween decorations. And uh, the, I think the best feature of all was that it completely broke everything so that you couldn't finish any jobs. <laughs> so that, that was that was a nice addition. Uh, but they fixed that on Wednesday morning. And because they're in the UK, uh, I know that uh, I know that their programmer didn't sleep that night. Because <laughs> uh, there is no way you're posting an update at uh, 2 in the morning uh, Eastern time. Uh, <laughs> if you uh, are aren't staying up late, so uh, yeah, so PC building simulator, still enjoying it. Probably is in my game of the year list. So yeah, so that's it for me. How about you, Ben? Uh, no surprises here. I'm just getting back to a point where I have um, more time for gaming, and it's going. It's all going into NHL 20 and Shadowbringers. Uh, Shadowbringers has its 5.1 patch out now, which, um, from a content standpoint, is pretty standard as patches go for Final Fantasy XIV. From a story standpoint, it, they crammed about three or four patches worth of content into it. So that was a lot to digest. I, I'm really interested in seeing um, how they build on on this and where they're going with it. So... You think this is maybe stuff that they wanted to get into Shadowbringers itself, but just time constraints? No, this is more... um, They want to tie up all the loose ends story-wise that the previous team left. Hmm. And so what what they've pretty much said they're going to be doing for the next um, two years until um, 6.0 is... Uh, just building on, or just working toward getting all of the current plot lines tied up, and so that the so that we can go into 6.0 with a clean enough slate that it'll be something uniquely, um, you know, Yoshida's teams. Okay. So that's um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Um, it seems like we're finally going to be getting the the multiverse hopping epic that it looked like Shadowbringers itself might be. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. There are a lot of play- There are a lot of directions that can go with it. Cool. Mm. All right. Mm-hmm. My turn. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm still knee deep in cold steel three. Um, let's see. I'm now at, that sounds surprisingly dirty, Brandon. <laughs> I'm knee deep in this cold steel. Yeah, uh, so I'm currently in Raquel, which is an entertainment city. Um, it's basically a town of nothing but theaters and casinos and whorehouses. Um, oh, it's Reno. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, and uh, I finally met back up both with uh, Instructor Sarah and uh, Angelica Rogner. And I'm so glad Angelica is finally back because anytime she shows up, it is immediately nothing but hilarious. Because uh, Angelica, whenever she shows up, she basically hits on every single girl that she meets. And it's just so hilarious. Uh, The moment she meets up with Tita when she gets back to the 
the um back to the classes uh camp back outside of the city. Uh let's just say that Tita suddenly acts as like I need an adult. You know. Um but it's God, it's so good. Uh and like I said on uh on last weekend, this is like really the first game time in Cold Steel Three where the game is actively pointing out that yeah, the system in Erebonia is kind of fucked, and uh, it's really kind of hurting the entire country and holding it back from progressing. Um, now, one of the things they do point out is that at this point, the overall sort of role of the nobility is declining greatly, um, and that their sort of the age of noble rule is is more or less over. But they're still kind of clinging to power, and it's yeah, it's uh, it's it's just really it's it, this game is a lot. I mean, the other two games were pretty serious in their own right, but this one is like the only one where they like specifically are pointing to this particular aspect of Erebonia and specifically discussing it. Like one of the um. Up in, up in one of the earlier places takes place in Crossbell. And I don't know, anybody who's played Cold Steel 2 knows what's happened to Crossbell. Uh, basically, uh, Erebonia invaded and kind of took it over. And one of the uh, members of the new Class 7 that Reen, of course, is the instructor for is named Juna. And she is actually from Crossbell. And... She does not take the whole situation very well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just, damn, it's a good game. Uh, I'm planning on, hopefully, if I can get the uh, the money moved around, um, that later on this week there is a certain major release coming that I'm hoping to get a hold of and do the review for on, uh, on Smashpad. Uh, we'll be talking about that in a little bit. But uh, for now, that's what I've been playing. So, Dan Ram, what about you? Are you playing with the Japanese or English voice acting? Yes. I'm playing with the English. Oh, you're playing with English? So, were you as surprised as I was to hear that Agate's name is pronounced Agate? Yeah. Yeah. I, was I like, wasn't. Oh. So, no, because all this time I thought it was Agate, but yeah. Agate. So. Well, I could have told you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no, I, 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 I never yeah, it's knew based that. On, it's based on a type of stone. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, never knew that. <laughs> so that definitely opened my eyes. Also, am I still the only one who thinks that Agus and Tita's relationship is way fucking inappropriate? Oh, yeah. Japan. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I've been playing Luigi's Mansion 3. Uh, got it during Halloween. And um, uh, I'm about maybe four hours into it now. Um, I definitely have been playing it more than I thought it would because um, I've had my sleep patterns broken because of a certain game that Brandon is also is also playing. So, yeah, now that I can stay up uh, a lot later than I like, I'm playing more than I should. Anyway, uh, Luigi's Mansion 3 is uh, pretty solid. It, it kind of goes back to its roots where um, I'm not saying it's open world, but like the, the um, exploration in the mansion or the hotel rather is uh, pretty open. Um, with the last one on 3DS, Dark Moon, uh, that was entirely level-based, and then you were, like, graded on how well you did with the level. 
Uh, whereas here, it kind of has that Metroidvania feel where you can go back to um, other rooms in the mansion and uh, use abilities that you've, that you've earned later. So uh, the puzzle solving is pretty cool, uh, especially with the Luigi component allowing you to use more than one Luigi at a time. Uh, Luigi can like fit through um, steel bars or other places that Luigi normally wouldn't fit in. And the only uh, difference is he has like a quarter of the health, and if he touches water, he dies. Um, luckily, Luigi has an unlimited amount of goo, so you don't have to worry about finding some more. So that's always a pretty cool um, part of it. And um, yeah, the game is definitely really charming so far. So many uh, crazy inside jokes. Like one of the ways that Luigi talks to the professor is through a virtual boy, which Professor E. Gad says will be the next great invention. And everyone needs uh, red VR. So, um, yeah, I thought that was pretty hilarious. Um, I've also been playing Sonic at the Olympic Games Tokyo 2024 review. I've had this for a few weeks, but I've only like played it like two days ago because I haven't had anybody to play with. But, you know, now now that we had a holiday pass, it it got a whole lot easier. And um, I remember when I first saw trailers for this game, um, I was pretty interested because they um, also go back into like, 8-bit style graphics as they celebrate um, the Olympics that they held in 1964, which sort of makes no sense because there were no 8-bit video games at that time period, but um, it was still pretty cool nonetheless. Uh, The game itself is pretty disappointing because while the hodgepodge of the minigames in there are cool, most of them handle pretty crappily. Um, like a lot of them require you to rapidly tap A and then uh, tap these other buttons in good timing to make certain things happen. And while some of it is great, like the soccer is pretty cool, uh, the boxing is cool. Um, there's, there's even rugby. Um, but there's some of some of the other stuff, like um, 100 meter races and things like that, just uh, don't feel right. There's even this 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 um this uh, horseback racing thing or a horseback obstacle course. That should be cool, but instead of just copying like Zelda controls that make sense, they use another control scheme that just makes it all feel really, really blocky. And I'm like, you know, why, why even have this event in the first place? So that'll be my main complaint going into the review. Um, back on the PS4, I've also uh, played and finished and platinumed Concrete Genie, which was amazing. Um, this was my palate cleanser after playing uh, Cold Steel 3. And Concrete Genie is um, pretty cool because it has that artsy feel, but then again also has some solid platforming in it and and, um, and puzzle solving that like really seem chill. Like uh, After playing a game like uh, Cold Steel 3, it's really hard to just jump into an, a huge action-based kind of thing. And Concrete Genie sort of felt like a walking simulator with with, with some puzzle solving in it. And I really appreciated that. Um, it also has like um, certain aspects uh, for anti-bullying and things like that. And I was like, okay, this is a game that's uh, probably going to end up on my top 10 list. And uh, I didn't expect it there to begin with. Um, going further back, uh, I also played a little bit of Outer Worlds. Uh, what I played was okay so far, but it, the game hasn't really gripped me. Um, I have this thing with uh, first-person Western RPGs that they, they just don't capture me the way others do. So, I don't know. Um, luckily, I put it on Game Pass, so I didn't really pay for anything there. And then, lastly, Cold Steel 3 took me 95 hours. Um, as Brandon said, the game's amazing. So, yeah. Um, my main complaint with it, if you could really call it a complaint, is that... Um, the game really forces you to be really, really patient as far as perfecting every chapter. 
um i remember with the first uh first two cold steel games i um uh i asked i uh, s ranked every chapter rather easily whereas with three i only s ranked the introductory one and after that it was just a's um like that, that that's being super nitpicky but um you know uh it's weird because with the with the trails games i actually like um 100%ing them and then with any other rpg i usually don't so Knowing that I couldn't 100% this kind of pissed me off, but <laughs> but yeah, that's about it. And uh, uh, what about you, Chris? Uh, yeah, so I've been playing uh, a lot of The Outer Worlds uh, for about the past week or so, uh, and I'm really liking it. It's it's a good mix of Fallout and Mass Effect. Yeah, uh, where you everything you're doing is kind of in first person mode, but uh, there's a lot of uh, talking to people. Uh, which is very much a uh, obsidian thing, uh, where you can spend a lot of time. Like I have, when I set up my character, at high persuasion, I think it was, uh, but low intelligence. So I do get uh, option uh, dialogue options for just saying the dumbest thing possible uh, at times, uh, which can work out pretty well. Uh, though I've seen there's a, there's an actual ending for the dumb option where you get to the ship that you're going to take, and you just tell the 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 AI like no I got this I know how to do this you crash into the sun <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you finish the game uh, that I kind of want to do uh, but yeah the uh, where I'm at I'm on I think my third world uh, this one I have a bunch of different stuff because I play it like I do with Mass Effect where you kind of explore every nook and cranny of the area you're in uh, pick up all the quests you can and uh, See what you can at least com- accomplish there, uh, and so I have like a bunch of stuff. Though I'm starting to knock things off because uh, I have a uh, uh, let's see, I am working on uh, finding some guys here on this planet called Scylla, which doesn't have an atmosphere, so they have like a big giant bubble around it. And so you got like these bigger open world areas uh, that you can explore. They're not as huge as any of the Fallout games, uh, but they're pretty big for their own purposes. But um, yeah, it's one of those games where you can pick up a ton of stuff. Like, I get over-encumbered at a few times, but I can just uh, break down uh, duplicate stuff to uh, get back under it uh, pretty easily for the most part. Though I do have... I did get a perk that I can just fast travel while I'm encumbered, so it doesn't really matter either way if I want to. But yeah, there's a couple of issues. The inventory management sucks. Uh, when you pick up a bunch of stuff, uh, it doesn't auto-sort it for you. So I have my inventory sorted by alphabetical name. Uh, when I come back, it just adds new stuff to the end of that. So I have to unsort it and then sort it again mm. uh, to get it actually sorted so I can see what the duplicates are and uh, break that stuff down. Uh, and and the, the options you have on your character's inventory, you can't do if you're managing uh, your, party, your party members. So if you're trying to see like... Uh, what items you might have, what weapons or uh, equipment you have that are better than theirs. Uh, that stuff gets a little bit annoying too because you can't break it down from there or sort it even. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are times when you get to workbenches that you can uh, you can modify them. You can get like these uh, modify uh, items that just adds new like perks to them. Mm. Uh, and you can tinker, which uh, upgrades them. For some money, uh, you can also uh, repair them or break them down, 
on the workbench. And if you go to sort it, uh, it removes the items, uh, removes the sorting for all the items that are there. Because at the top, it shows you like the stuff you have uh, equipped and the stuff your party members have equipped. Then it just undoes that. Hmm. Uh, so it's like, okay, wait, I don't. So I've done thing where like I did that and didn't realize I wasn't updating the equipment that my uh, party members had. It's like, well, that was a waste of time. Yeah, kind of uh, sounds like. Just, so kind of sounds like it's a bunch of quality of life issues that they they need yeah. to get sorted out. Uh, the other big issue is loading times suck. Hmm. Uh, it's like good twenty to 30, 35 seconds I've seen so far. Uh, going in and out of ship uh, between some of the areas, uh, like the bigger buildings and uh, towns, uh, as well as uh, warping to other places or going to other planets. Uh, lots of load times that definitely uh, cause me to more want to finish everything I can in that specific area before going to the next. Because uh, you end up sitting in load times a lot of, uh, a lot of the game. Hmm. Uh, if you... Especially when you've like finished up what you're doing in that area, uh, kind of getting to onto the ship, managing whatever like on ship stuff you have to do uh, for talking to people and all that, uh, and then figuring out where you're going to go and all that. So, yeah, it's a lot of managing of inventory and load times and all that stuff. But yeah, the like freedom of options they have here is pretty well done. Uh, I'm in the middle of. Uh, trying to sell out the scientist that brought me back to life because he has a big bounty on his head. And I'm like, oh, fuck this guy. Uh, I'm going to just sell him out. And so I talked to the uh, the group that uh, works under the board that helps the manager of their bureaucracy and all that, uh, which I teased him with that a few times. Like, they did the dumb option like, oh, what are you talking about? I didn't say anything. And then, like, going back in and out, uh, teasing him a bit, but... Uh, yeah, that there's a lot of cool stuff there. There's a lot of like Deus Ex kind of uh, alternate routes around areas, uh, so you can get like backdoor entrances in some parts of the of the uh, buildings and uh, rooms you're trying to get to. So if you want to play up the stealth a bit, though the stealth still isn't all that great. Um, but yeah, the the game has a lot of cool stuff to it. Uh, they even have a section in the uh, the journal where they keep all the quests for botched missions. Mm. So if you like kill people or uh, do other quests that might invalidate ones you have, stuff like that. I only have one there because I got the schematic the guy wanted me to get. I just told him like, "Fuck you, I'm going to sell this," <laughs> uh, and that just canceled the quest basically. Uh, which then I went and took it back to the like black market person I was. Uh, Working with is like, hey, I got this thing that be uh, useful to you. And it's like, yep, I'll give you, you know, this much for it. Uh, the game definitely emphasizes like uh, having uh, good charisma is an easy way to finish lots of missions. Just like, because I get like options of like, oh, my lie stat is high enough, my persuade stat is high enough, my intimidate stat is high enough, so I can like go and steal stuff. They'll run up to me like, hey, what are you doing? I just go lie. And it's like I didn't do anything. And they just go. Uh, whatever, move on. So I can like do some weird stuff with that uh, to avoid the like Elder Scrolls Fallout thing, where if you so much as touch any little thing uh, that's hanging out in the area that they consider steel, they just beat you to death. Mm. They have to reload, sort of thing. So there's a lot of cool stuff there, yeah. and you can get a lot of like big XP 
uh, boost just from dialogue stuff. It's also uh, especially cool for that those. stats like that, like persuasion and charisma, intimidation, uh, also apply to combat. Yeah, there are ways of like intimidating uh, enemies that just like start running away. Though my crew just basically like, just kills anybody anyway, <laughs> so it doesn't really worry too much. Uh, I have some good like power weapons. Uh, Couple that are basically just like Gatling guns, essentially. Uh, so, but they use like the light uh, ammo. That's mm. what my pistol uses. So I have like tons mm. of it. I got like two thousand bullets for that. So yeah, like. At the point, since I am basically scavenging everything, I have tons of ammo for all my weapons, so I don't ever worry about running out. So uh, I'm in a good spot in that game, where I definitely get why people are saying uh, the normal difficulty is easy, because I have like 150 uh, health. Uh, it's an inhaler that you can like put uh, different items into that'll give you different bonuses. So like I'll get like an increased uh, max health. For like two minutes, or uh, it'll give me two hundred percent health regeneration for you know a minute or whatever, and I do that. So as you upgrade your health stat, you can put more stuff into that mix. But I also just kill everybody fast enough that I just let the auto regenerate uh, fill me back up. I never feel like I'm in that much combat that I have to redo everything. I have to like top myself off. Uh, so I usually just scavenge around, look at what they had on their bodies, uh, take them all. The only downside really from compared to Fallout is like when you take all the stuff off the bodies, they don't end up as naked corpses in the streets. Yeah. Uh, littering the streets, mm-hmm. they just look exactly the same. So it can create a, a bit where I'm not – I probably have lost a, a body somewhere. I really realized I didn't uh, loot it. So – there's some stuff like that. Mm. But yeah, I hope they get that inventory stuff sorted out. Because uh, that would, is the, the major issue, is not just being able to keep track of that stuff gotta as well as I would like. Got to wait for the mods, man. <laughs> uh, not on Xbox. Mm. Is that one of those... I was going to say, do we think they'll enable that at all, or no? I don't I don't know. I don't think so. Because it seems like this is... It's not like a huge... like open systems kind of game like Fallout and Elder Scrolls. Mm. It's very much kind of like a like a smaller game than that. So I don't know if there's necessarily like too much to add, but then again I don't mm. I don't know what people have ideas for. Mm. Besides just like maxing out stats, encumbrance, all that sort of stuff. Uh but yeah, I don't I don't know if they have that there's really too much there for I don't know, fleshing out the game more, but mm-hmm. who knows? People can do some cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been playing more Return of the Oberdin. Uh, I've beaten it. Gotten all the uh, uh, fates figured out, which I... The weird thing is that you can get everything that you can on the ship, and then there's like three different endings you can get, I think, that are specific trophies or achievements. Uh, once for... So once you see all the fates, it starts raining, and the the guy that's on the ship that brought you there uh, is like, hey, we can go now. And so the one ending is just leave for finishing it all. Uh, the other one's for uh, finishing it all, which is two that you don't, you can't do on the ship itself. Uh, you have to do sort of leave, and then you get some items that let you uh, finish off the, the actual book, the whole thing. Uh, 
And then there's one that is called The Captain Did It, which I'm working towards, which I believe is you go and see all the fates, and then you just list the captain as the one that's responsible for everybody. Because uh, I guess technically it probably is, uh, just liability-wise. But uh, yeah, I'll have the, the Platinum uh, at some point today. It's just a matter of sitting through it unfolding all these fates uh, and finding all of them uh, again. But yeah, that game's great. Uh, especially towards the end, you kind of just get to the ability to just kind of fudge it. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like, well, there's a process of elimination here uh, for these last few. Just like, oh, this guy's either one of these like six guys. and uh, That game's so great with when you lock them in, uh, the way it just kind of... Uh, Fades to black, and it's like, all right, here's the ones you've gotten right. Uh, and locks them in. So that game's still a lot of fun. Uh, I just got a little bit more to do, and I'll have my platinum for that. Uh, but you can tell that there's there's definitely that uh, one uh, trophy I'm working on. It's the one that people get stuck on at the end, because it's like 16.1%, I think, get the platinum. And that last one's 16.2%. So it's like, if you go this far to do this, you're uh, you're gonna get it, but there's enough people that get the rest of it to uh, that don't want to do it again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I had like the the trophy guide or achievement guide I found on Steam's, like, all right, before you do anything, you just uh, go through all these first, and then you create have that as like your blank save before you start doing anything. You can just mm-hmm. copy them over to other slots uh, like that style. So uh, and then you kind of just play the game normally. It's like yeah. I like it better just trying to figure it out along the way and get stuff settled so I can at least come back to it. Uh, but yeah, that, that game's a lot of fun. Um, let's, is, what's that? How much is this game? 20 bucks. Okay. Yeah, take me about 10 hours, I think, on my main save. So it's a pretty lengthy game. Uh, but it's one of yeah, those good right. games Yeah, where you're just trying to figure out, like, hey, how, who is this guy? Wait, you, it's, only, it's only 20 bucks? Like yeah. retail? Oh, I thought yeah. it was full press. No, it's it's a really good like murder mystery, uh, supernatural murder mystery game that's uh, right. where you're kind of tasked with. It doesn't give you too much uh, concrete information. You might get like, oh, there's somebody here that's named you know Mark, and I have to look down the crew list. And, like, okay, that's Mark. Well, which one of these guys is Mark? Who's talking to who? Kind of thing. And it'll note when the person that's uh, dying in this scene is talking. It'll put it next next to their dialogue, but otherwise you gotta intuit the rest of it, kind of stuff. And you can figure it out by looking at their outfits. Like, oh, these are the outfits for the officers. So you can like note like, okay, this person's an officer, uh, that sort of thing. These are the seamen. These are the the top men, the midshipmen, uh, that sort of stuff. Uh, and is figuring some of the the deaths are uh, can be tricky. Even if it seems obvious what it is, but uh, I was using a guide on Steam. It's just like a hint nudge guide. Just like, hey, you've uh, figured this out. You can figure this out from an earlier thing you've looked at, sort of thing. Doesn't really outright tell you anything. But it'll just be like, uh, you're just a little bit off here. Uh, maybe rethink what you're doing, sort of thing. But yeah, that game's a lot of fun. I've um, seen screenshots. I've never actually seen it in action. Is it more of a walking simulator? Kind of. You're just going around the ship. You find uh, the dead body, and you pull out your uh, supernatural stop uh, uh, pocket watch. Okay. And it. The main reason why I was interested is because when I was looking at it, I was like, "Oh, this looks like a Macintosh two game," but a lot of people like it. So. Yeah, yeah. It 
definitely is like that kind of uh, one big uh, monocolor kind of art style. Uh, and yeah, it's you kind of just pull out your pocket watch uh, and you kind of zoom into the the moment that they are killed. Uh, and you kind of look around at the people there and you're like, okay, I know this person, uh, so that means this person has to be you know so, such and such, or you know you can just kind of shut down a lot of stuff. Uh, there are even some points where I pulled up a notepad on my uh, PC here and just jotted down numbers that was important to what was going on in the scene. Uh, some stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I've been also playing After Party. It was a stream I did yesterday, uh, which is the new game from Night School Games, who made mm-hmm. Oxenfree. Uh, and it's another game like that, uh, adventure game, uh, more in the vein of like a Telltale. Uh, I think it's former Telltale people in that studio. And yeah, this this game has a good premise where uh, you're controlling Milo and Lola, who have just died, unbeknownst to them. Uh, they wake up in hell uh, and are sort of in the midst of being processed uh, bureaucratically. Uh, and kind of, they don't finish up before the end of the, the demon's day uh, shift is over. So they're just like, all right, you guys can just kind of hang around. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. And so you get a chance to like explore a little bit. You meet somebody named Sam who runs the taxi in hell. Uh, and she kind of lets on that there's this clause for getting back to uh, the living world where if you can beat Satan in a drinking game, uh, you can get back to life. And so they're kind of on this quest. And uh, where I left off in the story is we managed to get into Satan's VIP party. Uh and he kind of lays out that we need to beat his like uh, underlings, two of his four underlings, in drinking parties, uh, drinking games before uh, he'll entertain us, challenging him, sort of thing. But it's pretty funny the way it lays it out. Uh, there's a lot of cursing because your characters are kind of just getting out of uh, college, uh, getting ready to graduate from college, and uh, kind of move on with their lives. And uh, yeah, it's. And they're kind of uh, having fun, like adapting to the fucked up nature of hell, and also the boring nature of it, because it's it's kind of a bureaucracy now, uh, kind of the way that like uh, the afterlife stuff in the Beetlejuice movie was. Where it's like, oh, you just gotta sit here and wait to get processed. Uh, they'll figure out like what your uh, demon's gonna be, your personal demon, uh, which then she uh, interferes a lot. But yeah, it has a lot of good voice actors in it, like Ashley Birch is in here, uh, and a few others that I recognized. Uh, and it's a pretty fun game. Uh, so people that are kind of into that kind of telltale style of uh, adventure gaming. And it's more, it seems a little bit more freeform than that. Because you kind of have these different areas you can explore. Uh, and you just call up your taxi friend to take you to the other areas uh, as you need to. Uh, the issue I have with it is it, I'm playing on Xbox One through Game Pass, and it uh, performs like shit. Uh, the frame rate issues, uh, but it's only with the like the loading, the obvious like trip between the different areas where it's loading, where it just starts like chugging. Uh, in a way, it's like it doesn't really do this the rest of the game, but right here it just kind of chugs while it's. I assume it's loading in the next area and all that. That's just kind of weird because it's not like a super demanding game or anything. But yeah, that's kind of the the one issue I have with that. Uh, let's see, and I've also been playing more Luigi's Mansion 3, and so I found out the other day that there's 
more controls options, I guess. You can use these shoulder buttons to do the uh, the lights, the the plunger, and the uh, like the black lights modes for your poltergust, uh, which I still don't like all that much. I kind of want just a toggle, so you can like toggle on the black lights and move around with it, versus having uh, that one you have to hold both L and R shoulder buttons down to enable that, uh, versus just holding one of the buttons on the face buttons, but then you have to manage the right stick at the same time if you want to do that. Uh, so yeah, I kind of wish there was some more options for that stuff, but there's practically nothing in, in the game. But uh, Otherwise, the game is a lot of fun. Uh, I just kind of forget uh, some of the abilities you have, like the jump butt, the the jump move, because uh, it, it's not useful most of the time. Uh, so you just don't really do it for long stretches of time. But uh, I'm at the point where I think I have uh, the fourth floor opened up. Uh, so you kind of work your way around because uh, the the buttons in the elevator get stolen. So you have to kind of get them back so you can open up the new floors, uh, which has been pretty good so far. Just getting around. Uh, that's been pretty much it. How about you guys? Uh, Lee? I've been keeping it real simple this week because I've been sick. Um, I've been playing Ghost Recon Wildlands, which you know I've been sort of playing on and off for the last couple of years. Which I'm is definitely one of the best um, co-op games of all time. Like because it, 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 it borders on like the absurd, so you can get into these situations that are just like absolutely hilarious, or that are like straight out of like a fucking like the best action movie you've ever seen, and it's four player co-op. So it's just it's when it works properly, and it does a lot, um, it's just so much fun. And I just I can't I can't believe they fucked this up so bad in the move to uh, Wildlands. Like I just don't get it. Like one of my favorite things in the game is just getting a chopper and then going around and raiding cartel spots and shooting up Sicarios and shit, and you know just playing with friends. It's just it is so much fun, and uh, I just I cannot believe that Ubi fucked up Breakpoint so bad. Which I actually put in the uh, in the show notes. We'll talk about how their their stock tanked um, because of how badly they screwed up Breakpoint. But it's just it's it's so much fun. There's so much customization. It's fun playing with the guns. It's fun doing all of that stuff. Like uh, and and just if as long as you have somebody to play with, it's it is just absolutely awesome. And it, it to me it harkens back to some of just the absolute. Uh, fun that I had. I don't know if any of you guys ever played Rainbow Six Vegas. To me, that was like the most fun co-op game I've ever played in my life. Um, and this is damn close. Like it's it's just it's really good. And it's I think the benefit of it being open world, like it, it it's definitely that Ubi formula. You know where it's like I was I was surprised when I started playing this how similar it was in terms of like the outposts and things like that to Assassin's Creed Origins. Like even the drone works like your eagle, and it just kind of goes into how we know Ubi's been sort of. Their big thing now is just making the same game in different ways, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just I really thoroughly enjoyed this. So just in between that and, and like I said, being sick and playing uh, playing Dragon Quest, I haven't haven't had a chance to play too much. I'm going to end up playing the Outer Wilds, but I'm going to wait a bit because I'm going to wait for them to mod the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, I know that's how that usually works with uh, with these Obsidian games. And just based on what you were saying, Chris, it sounds like Microsoft definitely made the right decision buying that studio. Um, sounds like it's definitely going to pay off in the future. And then, uh, the only other thing I did is I watched BlizzCon, which, uh, you know, we'll, 
we'll talk about as well. But uh, I, I think Blizzard is is back in in oh shit we were you know we fucked up mode, um, which is a shame because it, it feels like what they've literally done for like the last like five years is really just ruin all of the goodwill that they've gained from their community. And I, I, it was no surprise to me, as I'm sure it probably wasn't for you guys, that the minute that they were done with the apology, they were like, let's show you Diablo 4 so you can't really think or say shit. Like, let's just hit you with everything. And, you know, they came out hard with a lot of their, uh, a lot of stuff that they were um, trying to promote. But I just, you know, I mean, it'll be discussion for later in the show, but I'm not quite sure how, uh, how much that's going to matter. Yeah. But yeah, that's about that. And then, of course, Dragon Quest Eight. I'll probably be playing that, you know, for six months. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, we'll get to the rest of the show here, and uh, we'll start off with the since we're in a new month, that means new free games. Uh, PlayStation Plus, the two game a month thing continues. Uh, decent games. Uh, I got Outlast Two for one of them. Yeah, yeah. And the other one is Neo. Yeah. Which is a great game, and you should play it. Yeah, so you've yeah. got basically a game that will scare the crap out of you, and a game that will kick your ass. So, yeah. yep, there you go. Yeah, and that uh, kind of goes along with what they announced for Neo 2 uh, with the date and a beta that's yeah. going on for like the next week or so. Yeah. Uh, Neo is a lot of fun. Good old marketing. <laughs> yeah. Marketing, yeah. So, I don't know, for as far as uh, months go, this is actually not bad. I've been wanting yeah. to play Neo, so hey, there's my chance. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and so on the Xbox One, I've got another four games, and because it's Microsoft, they continue to spread them out instead of dropping them all at once. Yeah, that, that's one thing I don't like about the way that they do shit. That out of, I like the fact that we're getting four games for free. I'm never going to complain about that, but it does irritate the shit out of me that it's like you're logging on, you know, the first or the fifteenth to get these, and then. I don't know what the point of that is. Like, it doesn't seem like an engagement issue because uh, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it just—it's just, yeah. fucking stupid. I think it's just literally to increase the chances of you not uh, redeeming them, so they get less money or spend less money. <laughs> if it's per. Yeah, purchase. and that makes sense because they also will have you know they they put out a lot of fourteen day free passes and shit like that. So. Yeah. I can well, see that. It's kind of weird because one of the games, Sherlock Holmes, The Devil's Daughter, uh, that was available through the whole month. Uh, so, yeah, it's inconsistent. Yeah, and then you got so that's that's one of the new games. Uh, you know, we had talked about the studio behind this having issues with uh, oh, what was it? Uh, Paradox. Yeah, but anyway. yeah, it's yes. Yeah, from what I can see from their Microsoft page, it's not published by Frogware. Hmm. Uh, so it doesn't seem like that issue has been fixed. Yeah. So it seems like this is basically Big Ben just trying to get some money for this hmm. uh, after stealing the game from their developer. <laughs> just irritating. Uh, then we have the final station on the Xbox One, which is going to be not heard of. Yeah, it's like a zombie game hmm. where you're uh, getting around on uh, trains. Yeah. Uh, that's about as much as I know about it, but I also know that uh, I got this for free from watching, I think, one of Xbox's E3 things a few years ago. Yeah, chances are I probably did too. <laughs> so, yeah, it was one of those before they stopped giving away free games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the Outer Outer Wilds was one of the last games they did that with. Yeah. Not Outer Worlds. That's a different game. Uh, yes. 
The uh, Outer Worlds yeah. and Outer Wilds. Yeah. That's not confusing at all. Go. <laughs> uh, Both space games where you explore. Yeah. Uh, then you have on the OG Xbox backwards compatibility, Star Wars Jedi Starfighter. Yeah, which I like the original one, Star Wars Starfighter. Hmm. That was like came out a few months after the PS2 launched. Yeah. That was a game that was a lot of fun. It was like all about the one of the best parts of the original uh, uh, Phantom Menace was the yep. space combat stuff. Yeah, the old I, I miss some of those older Star Wars games where they just kind of did kind of like off the wall shit. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we don't really get that anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, just quick reminder: uh, Jedi Fallen Order actually comes out uh, next week. Yep, on the fifteenth. Yeah, we'll talk about that next, a bit. next week. Yep. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting until Black Friday for that one. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm very interested in it. I love the developer. Um, so I'm curious to see how that one that one shapes out. But I just... God, I have so much crap I have to play. It's just like paying full price at this point. I don't... It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. It's almost starting to seem like those subscription things might actually be somewhat worth it. Uh, it's... Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah, I mean, I, it, that that might be a good conversation to have at some point in regards to you know what is what is Game Pass or something done to your like to what you play and because I know like when we talk about any sort of streaming, like the way that I deal with TV shows or movies is completely different now than it used to be. Yeah. Um, that might be a good topic for us to to discuss on a slow news day because I, I kind of wonder at this point like. It, it will will this be the thing that's transformative in a good way and a bad way in the same way that uh, streaming music was for the music industry? Like it's no longer producing these you know ho jillionaires like we've seen, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's getting this stuff out and and you know these musicians have a different revenue stream. They can do concerts, they can do stuff like that. But I'm curious what other kind of revenue streams besides like microtransactions are really going to be viable for. For video game companies, if they start, a lot of them start going in the subscription model, or if you know, because you, you now you have UPlay uh, Plus, whatever I think it's called. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. have Ubisoft jumping into it. We know you have EA in it and all that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if in the future you just see these gigantic companies they do a subscription thing because that's the only way they're going to get people to play the games and to sort of basically do accounting tricks and go, yeah, well, not everyone bought this one game, but everybody subscribed. You know, I'm, I'm curious if that'll how that'll work, but I, I know in these publishers, they'll probably just fuck that up and then blame consumers for it. <laughs> yeah. And so finally, there's Joyride Turbo, uh, which nobody cares about. It's an okay game. Yeah. Uh, I've only played it on uh, my Xbox because it came with Game Pass. It's like, this seems like a, a low energy thing, I guess. Like, something takes like low effort to really play. Yeah. Uh, whenever I need to chill with something. Hmm. It's basically just a a cart racer kind yep. of, uh, not really all that great or anything. Yeah, with avatars, I think how that how it works. Yeah. yeah, so when that was a thing. Yep, yep. So, uh, but you yeah, can the, use your avatar, and probably one of the only reasons to actually still have one. But oh, there we go. Yeah, kind of related to the what was it Star Wars Jedi Starfighter? I noticed one of the Game Pass quests. For Microsoft Rewards, it's like, hey, play these new games and get achievements. Hmm. Uh, and one of the ones it includes in there is the Panzer Dragoon Order for hmm. original Xbox. Which is weird, because those games don't have achievements. Yeah, that's the whole thing. 
which is like an issue they've had of late is like having these quests uh, that either aren't saying exactly what they're about or they have like fake uh, games in there, hmm. like stuff that's not supposed to be in there. Because I think one of the, the Halloween quests they had for last month had in the banner like pictures of games that were available for it. And one of the games in that banner was not in the group of games that said qualified for it. Yeah. It's like, you guys need to just keep this stuff, uh, like fix this stuff. It's not yeah. a big issue. Mm. So you're just double checking before you post it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's like just weird oddities with the, the way the Game Pass quest stuff works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially now with the way they don't post the quest for the new games until the following month. Yeah. Which gets me like, all right, well. I'm going to play some of this, but I'll wait until the next month to double-check there's no quest just for this game. So do you do you find that that causes you to engage more? Uh, less. I oh. basically play games on Xbox to complete those quests for, like, the one or two achievements at well, once. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's what I mean, though. Like, so the, the quest gets you to play, though, right? Like, like something guess, that just doesn't even work for That's me. basically the only time I turn my Xbox One on is, like, oh, yeah, I have to get these quests. And hopefully it's not Ask me to download like 40, 50, 80 gig games. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, I was, I was curious how that works for people that engage in that. I do not. Um, yeah. If they had hit me with that like like six years ago when I was an achievement chaser or some shit, I'd have been like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. I'm curious what it how it works as far as their engagement metrics go. Yeah, from I've heard, it gets people to buy games more, which is weird. It's like I already got access to this. I'm not paying more for this. Kind of thing, but I think some people are just like the yeah. idea of owning things. I know I do. Yeah. Some yeah. people use them as like demos, which is kind of what I do because I, I look at this game and it's like, oh, I'll try that out for like an hour or two, and I'm like, yeah, I got enough out of that, so I don't need to play that game ever again, <laughs> uh, and just clear it out of my uh, installs, yeah. kind of thing. Or it's like, yeah, let's say me spending twenty bucks uh, for curiosity's sake later on, kind of thing. Yeah, like stuff yes. I didn't had that much interest to buy them outright when they launched that kind yeah. of stuff. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I just, I always see them pop up and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't got time for that. Yeah. But I mean, I, but again, I also think about like in, in terms of using it as a way to get people to play something new. I mean, yeah. it seems pretty fucking brilliant. Like if I was at all interested in that, that might be something that would get me, you know, kind of get me going like, Oh, this is kind of neat. Like, yeah, you know, it's yeah. encouraging me to. I wonder to if there's like a level in. of, like when they're paying for coverage on like the dashboards, if like that the Game Pass or just Microsoft Reward Quest stuff. Hmm. It's like it has one for Modern Warfare. Like if you bought that, you can activate it and just get one achievement. And you get uh, some reward points out of that hmm. sort of thing. But there's also interesting uh, exploits for EA Access since you could get the the demo full version of the game, you could activate those quests for micro, uh, for EA games, get the full points without having actually bought it, hmm. uh, or for like uh, purchasing the game. It's like, well, I purchased it. It's not actually the full game, but it, <laughs> kind of weird exploit for that stuff. Hmm. Uh, which yeah, which people have to scramble to get right away. For Microsoft's like, whoops, fix it. Hmm. Alrighty, so we'll get on to that uh, big release this week. It's Death Stranding. Uh, a lot of people have been waiting for this one. Uh, yep. Hideo Kojima. Yep. And reviews are already coming out, and holy crap, are they divisive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a Hideo Kojima game. Is anybody surprised? Yeah. 
it's probably the purest Hideo Kojima game we've gotten. Yeah. Because this is him without any constraints to any prior uh, franchise or anything. Yeah. And people who are playing it are saying, you know, it's it's uh, there is no middle ground. People either think it's like really sort of boring and pretentious, or you think that it's an art game that's loaded with meaning and allegory and things to say. Mm. After he burned me so fucking hard between with really with Metal Gear Solid two, and then three didn't provide me. Which three was a great game, but didn't provide me what I wanted, which was fucking answers. And then the whole weird thing with four, and then just God, fifteen years ago I'd have been all over this, and, and I just don't even, I don't even care. Mm. I'm sure, I'm sure. And what's funny about that is, is that I find myself now either I want to play something that's like old school or something that will at least give me a unique experience, like by playing with my friends. That's why even something is sort of wrote as Ghost Recon is so much fun because you have the randomness of playing with people that you know and just co-op and you know I think co-op and anything is fun um, maybe just because I you know I'm sure Pat can relate to this because I grew up in an arcade so like doing anything with friends is fucking awesome but yeah um, yeah I, I don't know like like 10-15 years ago I'd have been like fuck yeah new Kojima game like I'm all over this but like the, the number one thing that I read in all the reviews is that he just seems totally up his own ass in the game like with with and that seemed to be a consistent theme. Well, we saw a little it. bit of that with Metal Gear Solid Five too. Yeah, like I just I I appreciate Kojima. I appreciate the artistry of the things that he that he does, but um, I just I think maybe uh maybe I've grown out of it. I'm not I'm not quite sure. I'm curious what the experience is like because I know from everything I've read, it sounds really unique. But I just don't know if I have the the time or the inclination to get into like, you know, whatever word soup lore he has and all that other shit in the game. Hmm. All right. There is well, one I'm hoping to get that. it this week. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it was one of my last GCU purchases. So yeah, yeah. I should be getting this from Amazon. Hmm. When yeah, you guys review it, day. when you guys review it, can you do like an up his own ass index for me? <laughs> just so I'm just, so I know how up his own ass he is. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> All you, Brandon. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, there is right. one big release, other big release that nobody talks about. Oh, really? Need for Speed Heat. Moving on. I think we yeah. need to. Uh, <laughs> I think we need to discuss your definition of big. <laughs> uh, there's a big publisher behind it. The only thing we've ever heard about the game is when it was announced, and now it's out. So. Yeah, the, the, that's hilarious. Yeah, so they're sending it out to die. Well, I saw yeah, the trailers I, for it, and uh, they did very little promotion for this. Uh, it's uh, I don't have high hopes. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah, and the fact that if it's, it doesn't already have a meta score, yeah, it probably sucks. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's EA behind it is like yeah, yeah. We're gonna have. A, I'm sure it'll have lots of surprise mechanics. Um, so Uh, so moving on we'll get to the news of the last couple of weeks since we didn't have a show last week Uh, as you probably are aware uh, Disney has done kind of a little double pack remaster of uh, Aladdin and Lion King Super Nintendo and Genesis, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah is, it, is it both? Is it both games? Because they were they were both like a, both Aladdin. Yeah, they were different. different. Uh, yeah. It's 
It doesn't have the Super Nintendo version of Aladdin. No, it's the Genesis version of Aladdin and the Super NES the... version of The Lion King. Oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah, because I remember the Super Nintendo version. You tag people by throwing apples because they didn't want you to cut a bitch. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's how the Genesis one went. I never played it. No, the Genesis one, you get a sword. Yeah. See, what the fuck kind of... <laughs> Genesis does. Which is also Genesis does, man. Yeah, exactly. Genesis will let you fucking kill those guards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, those are uh, available. I think, well, I, I know you can get them on, they're 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 on Steam. Yeah, they're available. 30 yeah, bucks. They're out now, right? Yeah, they're out now on the major consoles, too. Back in a time when, you know, uh, um, tie-in games were actually could actually be good. Yeah. So isn't the Lion King games terrible? Aren't those? No, no the Lion King games are good. Good, but I, no, I remember them being terrible. Yeah, okay. the Lion King. I know the Aladdin ones good, both are good because people fight over which one's better and then treat the other one like it's pure shit. <laughs> Even though they're both good, it's yeah. like shut the fuck up, people. Yeah, the Lion King game was pretty good. Uh, it, but it was stage four. Yeah, it was hard, hard as balls. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it was it was not an easy game, and let's see. yeah, younger me was uh, a lot better uh, and had better reflexes than uh, older me does. <laughs> yeah, um, so. I had both of these on Genesis, and Lion King definitely was hard. But I remember if you had the six button controller, it was a lot easier because um, was it X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. the, the top buttons? Yeah. yeah, yeah, those allowed you to do the the stand and slash technique, which made you invulnerable for about two seconds. Mm -hmm. So it was easier with that controller, but not a lot of people had it. Yeah. So uh, that's really the, that's really the way to go through life is break the game. If you can, especially if they weren't paying attention, like I'll never forget years ago. You guys remember the original splinter cell? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't play much of it. Well, cause it, cause going back to the whole, like, you know, um, I, I used to play fucking fighting games, hardcore. Um, I figured out in the first splinter cell that you could stutter step Sam Shepard. So as long as you didn't let his animation complete for stepping when he was crouched, you could sneak through the whole game without making a sound. <laughs> and I showed my roommate at the time and he was like fucking fighting game players, man. <laughs> and it's just like, it's like, not how you're supposed to fucking play the game. And I was like, bullshit, it's in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, the the back elbow is the only way to play the original Double Dragon, of course. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm going to play that with my kid. I'm like, watch this. <laughs> just, you know, like, fucking just back elbow the motherfuckers. Like, how the hell did you do that? It's like much better than punch him in the face and then you get kicked. Yeah. CTE for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> get some, bitch. Yeah. But the news here is that uh, Limited Run Games uh, is doing... Uh, cartridge re-releases of both of these games, Lion King and uh, Aladdin. So, uh, yeah, you'll be able to pick those up for $100 a piece. Hell what? to the no. <laughs> <laughs> this is similar to the... To be uh, fair, one of them glows in the dark. Guys. Yes, one I of mean, them does glow in the dark. Come on. Come on! Yeah. No. Oh, it's dark, baby. But uh, this is similar to the, the Street Fighter 2 uh, Super Nintendo and Mega Man X re-releases that they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely going after the collector's crowd because you could pick up both of these games complete on eBay for like less than twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which yeah, they weren't hard to get. Yeah, nope. Which I'm probably going to do because I'm fairly certain that the value of those games is going to go up now for some reason. Yeah, but anyway. yeah, I was looking at the the options they have for this stuff. So the Aladdin they have the Genesis version, Japanese Mega Drive version, the Game Boy version, the colorized Game Boy version. 
Lion King, they have Super Nintendo, Genesis, Japanese Mega Drive, Game Boy, and Colorized Game Boy versions. That's and they also have Rewind, too. Quite the solution. So you can get around the bullshit in the games uh, by just <laughs> that's rewinding. One of the, that's one of the best things that's come out with a lot of these new these new games being re-released is that Rewind option. Like, I yeah. would love... With Disney sort of being back in the game now with a lot of this stuff, I would love to see them start re-releasing other shit. Like, did they ever re-release any of the Castle Illusion stuff or like Quackshot or anything? Because those games are fucking awesome. They did a full remake of Castle of Illusion. I want the OG one though. Mm. Is the remake any good? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really? What's it on? PS3. Yeah. I just can't PS3, buy it Xbox anymore. Sixty. Of course you can. Uh, if you pre-ordered the PS3 version, you also got the original mm. as a bonus. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty cool. Huh. Uh, but yeah, it says it also has I rewind. I was just issued uh, it as part of PlayStation Plus. Yeah, yeah I think it was also oh, shit, they brought that back it. for that. Mm. Uh, yeah, it has easy access to level skips and vulnerability, as well as interactive game viewer, which lets you watch full playthroughs of the games and just jump in whenever you want. It's like what uh, was it Game hmm. Room that had that? Yeah, you could upload your replays and then just jump in whenever. Yeah. I love that basically what all these settings are is like they're old man settings. Like I don't have the time nor the reflexes to do this the right way. However, I would definitely like to still play it. Therefore, you can <laughs> see the rest of the game that you never saw. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's dying it's, in the same spots. Well, yeah. That and it's too, interesting but... that you can do this on original hardware. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, yeah. yeah. I just, I love it. I, I, I want to see more of this shit. Like yeah. just. Put in a way for me to fucking, you know, old man my way through a game, and I'll do it. Yeah. I'll fucking do it. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, we got bad news for those of us uh, who've been waiting for The Last of Us 2. Uh, uh, it's not necessarily bad news. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they, they moved longer. it out of Cyberpunk's way, so that's actually good news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, May 29th now, 2020. Yeah. But, I mean, this is this is Naughty Dog we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They basically said they were kind of getting down to the the final bits and realized that it wasn't coming together uh, as quickly as they thought it would, uh, and so they decided like it's best to push it out a little bit longer and give them the time to properly finish it. Yeah, which can also right be code way. for. Oh yeah, we're making it PS5 compatible. Probably. Yeah. Uh, it could also. Yeah, be I code think at for... this point that stuff like the Ghost of was it Tsushima or whatever. Like I think yeah. that's just that's going to be built in. If it's not, we're making it. You know. Awesome on the on the the five or the Xbox Scarlet whatever it's going to be, I think that it's going to be similar to what we've seen like with uh, Xbox Live um, or not Xbox Live Xbox One enhanced right games. I think they're going to just do the same thing with whatever PS Five is like that's because they're, they're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater and no. um, rebuild it from the ground up. But they're definitely going to definitely have some hooks in there. And you especially know, especially not a baby that expensive. Exactly. Nope. You know, Sony's going to be like, yeah, just do it, just do it. Yep. And besides, so just, this is Naughty Dog. I mean, well, yeah, but they, they, remember, remember with PS3, and then we got The Last of Us remastered. You know, yeah, because The Last of Us came out so late, I could just totally see them being like, "Well, we we learned last time, and we got all this money from that remake. We got the the money from the Uncharted remakes. Let's just go ahead and fucking build it in ahead of time." You know, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. But this, like I said, this is Naughty Dog. It's not unusual for them to delay a game like this. Um. And let's be honest, they've had pretty much a perfect reputation since the first Crash Bandicoot, so... I would say that the main reason why it came out of left field is because Sony doesn't even announce dates anymore. Yeah, that's but true. Other than that, yeah. Hmm. 
it's yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and you can't fault the quality. They, that's one thing that they're very much known for. They, mm-hmm. they might take their time, but their end result is always really good. So, oh yeah, well, let's give them the time. Plus, it uh, also well, it, it might help them avoid that whole crunch thing. Mm-hmm. Well, not just that. It, it works in their favor this generation. I mean, it's not like they have uh, – it's not like anything with Crackdown or any of the other shit where it's, we've got to get this out even though that took forever because they, they know they already won and they know whatever they put out, particularly they put the time in it, it's just going to sell like gangbusters. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we got another knee announcement. Uh, Neo 2 gets a March 13th, 2020 release date. So March is very crowded month. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and they have uh, put out an open beta. Mm-hmm. It's out now, uh, available until the 10th. Uh, it gives you access to some of the new stuff, uh, new areas, and yeah, the newest weapon, which is a switch glaive. Mm-hmm. That's what they call it. Yep. So it has a little bit of like Monster Hunter world in it, where it got weapons that transform. Huh. Okay. And, uh... Also, there's jiggliness. Well, it's a Team Ninja game. It's yeah. kind of expected. But this time, they're actually kind of doubling down on it. That's kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that that's really going to be received too well these days. It's, uh, you know, it's it's their thing. They don't strike me as a studio that cares how much, or cares very much how anything is received. Yeah, well, they should if it doesn't sell. <laughs> so, I don't know. But anyways... Uh, moving on, we've got uh, a couple of Ubisoft stories, and they're kind of related. Uh, yeah, uh, Ubisoft stocks tanks, and they delay a couple of games. Oh yeah, yeah. Man. The most the most interesting part about this was is the stock the stock tanked by twenty nine percent. Yeah, which is like that is fucking crazy, guys. Like that's, that's a critical lot. damage. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is it, it makes it makes sense to a certain extent. And basically what they did is they blamed it on two things. They said that the Division 2 didn't do nearly as well as it should have, but the sort of the nail in the coffin for that was for, – for the whole fiscal report was was Ghost Recon Breakpoint, which you guys heard me talk about a couple of weeks ago. It just doesn't have any identity, and it, it was released. It was buggy. It had a lot of fucking problems. Uh-huh. Um, you know, just not, not very good. Um, but yeah, there were different analysts and stuff like that um, that – in fact, one of them even said that it was a severe market reaction to the game. Um, and, uh, you know, their president came out and said, you know, this is stuff that we're going to work on. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Um, but this is this is a lot. This is a huge loss. The biggest thing to take from, like, when you listen to the call and everything was um, basically they're losing a lot of money and they're expecting to go cash flow negative this quarter, which oh. I don't think Ubisoft has really ever done. Like, the one thing that you can kind of always count on is that they just – they can produce a lot of games like they're they're good at that. And for the most part, you know, those games do well. This is kind of showing that, you know, it's very possible that the Ubi formula is is uh, is starting to wear thin and they need to kind of go back. And it's one thing that, you know, I think if you've played any of their games over the last two or three years, it's remarkable how much of them are really the same game with like different twists. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the, the Ubisoft formula of late has been. Release this game in an okay, yep. maybe slightly unfinished state, and just keep working on it and finish it later uh, in a way that kind of stretches it out so that by the time it's kind of fixed, it's in a very good state, it's got new content right. in it, and it's time when it's going on sale for like 30 40 bucks. 
Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. Like the other part about this that was really interesting to me was looking at it is they've already discounted this by like I think thirty percent. Um, like if you go back and you look at Breakpoint now, it's it's like uh, like on consoles. I saw it over this last week or two. It hit thirty bucks. Um, PC, like if you buy it from UPlay, like even like the super duper like hundred and twenty dollar edition, I think was down to like seventy. Um, so I mean they've definitely they're definitely having some problems here, and and I think that's the other part of it is is to what Chris said is that you know that's the other thing that they do is that they put out this uh, a lot of this stuff and they just go. You know, we'll see how it's received, and then and then we'll fix it. And from what I understand, actually, Wildlands was like that. Apparently, Wildlands was not very good when yeah, it first it was came out. Kind of just an okay game. Um, but it's fucking awesome now. I love the shit. Um, so I, I can't, you know, I can't speak to what it was like, you know, when it came out. But I mean, it it it, it just speaks to like kind of the problems that we've talked about for a long time with um, with this business model. Frankly, you know, you can't just you can't just put out shit that's broken anymore. Like I think that's that's one of the things that's going to be when we look back at this generation. This has definitely been the generation of just put it out and we'll fix it later. And that has worked for a long time. And now it seems like it might finally be stopping, which you know yeah. I think can only be a good thing because I mean you guys have heard me fucking talk about it on this show a lot. Um, where I'm like you know one of the worst parts about you know, gamers in general is just this, they just kind of have this idea like, well, you know, and, and, and video game companies are taking advantage of, which has just been, look, we know it doesn't work right, but we'll fix it. We'll do this. And, you know, you're going to plop down your 60 bucks and you're going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to play this and you're going to like it. And then, you know, eventually we'll get it to where it needs to be. And it seems like now we're kind of starting to get to a point where some gamers are like, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. Which I think is, Excellent. I, th- I think it's yeah. also a combination of that and the fact that it released at whatever point in t- whatever point in time it did. Because you look at the division, like yeah, that game didn't release at, at its best either. But it was also so early in the generation that Ubisoft actually had time to improve it. Now, Division Two came out with good reviews um, and it pretty much corrected most of the things that the original game did. But at the same time, the division, the original one, already had like quite an audience there. And with Division Two, you started all over. And the fact that we only have yeah. a year and a half left in this generation says a lot. Because why would I want to spend sixty bucks on the game? That's not going to last me the four years my original one did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a lot of games are aiming for you know prolonged uh, life. Yeah, and I mean, kind like, of having to start like going to like breakouts or breakpoint, and it's like, well, you guys have been adding new stuff to uh, Wildlands almost up to launch a breakpoint. Yeah, maybe and afterwards. They even, and, they even add quests and shit uh, for. Um, for Wildlands, uh, like if you complete this stuff in Wildlands, we'll give you shit in um, in uh, in Breakpoint, which I thought yeah. was really cool. Like which sort that's of one comes, they yeah. they support the fuck out of their games. Like Ubi, you can't yeah. say that Ubisoft doesn't, but at the same time, I think that this level of support is also necessary, frankly, because they have been just like EA. You know, we can call a spade a spade. At least Ubisoft seems to fix their games. EA just kind of like fuck it. I mean, look at look at what happened with Anthem for fuck's sake, but. It does seem like with with Ubi, they'll just they're just their big thing is we're not going to miss a release date, uh, which is the other reason why this um, this announcement was such a big deal. And one of the reasons I posted it in the news was because um, that after this, they came out and said, "Yeah, we're going to be delaying um, a whole bunch of big games like um, 
like Watch Dogs, Legions, and, and Legion and stuff like that. They came out and they're just like, yeah, we, based on what these two did, we know we have to do something else. And that's a really interesting thing to have happen at this point because I would argue that their entire process this generation has been put it out and we'll fix it. Yeah. yeah. With very think, few exceptions. Yeah. I and think I, there's a I, confluence I the of things right going on here. Oh, I just want to get this in. Because we're we're seeing a business model that's starting to deteriorate, uh, a consumer that's getting more and more savvy, uh, and uh, more importantly, more and more vocal about what they actually want. Uh, and there's a very palpable, I would say, uh, well, reaction to the kind of me- of uh, monetization that is going into these games that you're already spending 60, 70, 80, 100 dollars plus on. Yeah. Uh so it's uh, all of these things that when they come together uh and uh, especially in a game like Breakpoint which was probably one of the most egregious examples of this uh was like no, players are like, no, we're not going for that. Well, and that's the thing. That's the most interesting part about all of this to me is that we have, I mean, and again, you guys have heard me complain about this for ages. Like this is, I've never been one of those people that believes that gamers speak with their wallet because we have just seen traditionally that they don't. But oh, this is yeah. one of those instances where it seems like they were like, we're just not okay with this. Like just straight up. And I think the other, I think the other reason that it works is that, um, if, if you want to go and you want to play this game, if you want to play a game like Ghost Recon, you can just play Wildlands. You know, yeah. that's the other part of it is, is that Breakpoint's premise is really interesting because every Ghost Recon game, you know, you, you're part of a fucking elite squad and you run through and you're fucking shit up. Like, that's a big part of, of the allure with playing the games. But the premise of Breakpoint was interesting in that, okay, well, what if you're, what if you're actually alone? You know, what would, what would this look like if, if we changed it up? And you were by yourself or, you know, because you can still co-op with friends. But what if you're the person that's getting hunted rather than the, the person that's doing the hunting? That's a really interesting premise. And the, the big problem with the game overall is that it has no it has no identity. Like there's you, it doesn't know yeah. if it wants to be a looter shooter. It doesn't know if it wants to be. And, and the whole idea of it being a looter shooter goes against really what these games are supposed to work like anyway. And the fact that enemies have levels and you can't, you know, you have sometimes one shot, one kill ain't killing everybody. Right. That's a huge yeah. problem, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's a big part of the, of the issue that they're running into here is that this game has no identity. It, it's come out in, at a time when there is a record number of games that anybody can play. And I think that's the thing that we're going to see really be a big problem in the next generation is, is that with all of these games becoming so bloated and demanding so much of your time, and, you know, when we looked at uh, a lot of these monetization models, which is just put in as much time as possible and then you can get like this shiny thing gamers just don't seem to be going for that anymore and i'm really surprised by that i was i was i thought it was frankly gonna get worse this generation and probably uh next generation as well but i mean with this kind of thing maybe it's finally changing maybe it's also partly due to you know the fact that uh this triple a model like you said phil is just it's aging and it's not aging well yeah I think it's that there's so many options now. Yeah, I think the options. Uh, Because if, because like you were describing, like, oh, you're alone, you're uh, taking on tons of enemies, and you're getting your loot, and you're upgrading characters. Like, okay, I can do that in Destiny. I can do that in Division. I can do that, you know, in this game, and that game, and that game, and that game. And those games get the same kind of support continually, adding new stuff. 
Uh, you can play with your friends. You can play alone. Yeah. You can do all that stuff. You can grind forever in those games. And it's like, why do I need to spend sixty bucks to mm-hmm. add another one on the pile? Yeah, <laughs> and there you just said uh, one of the, one of the things that I think people are rebelling against is you can grind forever. That's yeah. what people. Are. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and I always go back to this when I'm having conversations with my friends. Uh, where I was talking about that one thing that Chris said a couple of months ago. He's like, why is it that every single game wants to be the last game that you'll ever play? And and I think I think that's a huge chunk of it too. I think that's a huge chunk of the of the pushback is to Chris's point, if you really just want to go grind something out, there's there's a ton of games that you can do that on. Like you need to have something that differentiates it. And I really hope that the next thing that we're really going to see is that a lot of these um these companies take a look at, you know, how not just how they're monetizing everything, which is a huge problem, um, but also I think it, it really matters the type of interactions that that gamers want with these games that then yeah. dictates what the the developers are going to do. Because like looking at um, like I think you can spend probably two or three hundred hours in Wildlands doing the. Um, uh, doing all of the uh, the crazy shit that they want you to do, as far as like the tier system, mm-hmm. um, which it's just you know. And, and the thing is, is at least you get rewards with it. I'm I'm like tier I don't know 15, um, and it's hard. It's hard to level up. And the thing is, as you level up, the the uh, the difficulty goes up. So I mean, the world becomes more dangerous. Like it's actually a really interesting system, I think. But yeah. it it also hits a stopping point. Like if you hit your you know 300 hours and you're tier one, like you know. You're just playing this game because you, you enjoy it, but yeah. um, but you know the big thing that that I heard levied against Breakpoint, which by the way is not is not true, um, is they said that they felt like the systems were designed to just make you grind, um, and that was the only way you could get anything. And I think I talked about this before on the show. I think Ubisoft's other thing that they keep doing is, um, and I think to their, I think it's worked for their short term, but for their long term, it's it's definitely detrimental. Is that I think that they know. I think there's two things at play here, and I'll try and make it short because I know we want to talk about some other stuff. But the the two biggest things at play here, I think, is that bloat that we've talked about with all these games where they just they want you to grind and grind and grind and grind and be the only thing you'll ever play. So you end up with these worlds that are just astronomically huge. And I'm sure you guys have seen the arguments and forums and everything where people are like, there's a lot of people that play games that are completionists, right? And so this yeah. idea that there are games out there that they'll never be able to complete you know, whether that's, you know, a checklist of items or whatever the fucking case might be, unless they put in like three or 400 hours is fucking insane. That's MMO territory, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that that's one of the things. So I think you're seeing a recoil from that. But I think the other thing, particularly with Ubisoft, is, is they're just not differentiating on top of what Chris also said, which is just there's all these games out there that you can play. And I think the, the big thing that these guys need to be focusing on at this point is, is how do we make a game that people want to interact with? for a smaller amount of time and not make it as bloated. Like the, the one thing you could say about, uh, who are the guys that did Titanfall? I'm drawing a blank. Respawn. Uh, Respawn. Yeah. You, I, I, I still believe this to this day that the, the original modern warfare, uh, call of duty four has one of the best campaigns I've ever played because there was absolutely no fat on it. It was just wham, bam. Thank you, man. Like just, and, and there are hardly any in the triple a space games that are like that every one of these triple a games even if it's a fucking shooter or something is designed to just be padded out and you play it for 150 hours who the fuck actually wants to do that and so i think that's the that's the other part that i was getting to is that i think that's the other portion of this that supports ubisoft's model is that they know 
people aren't going to most likely play their games to the end. So what they do is they just offer up all the shit up front because if you're playing the game and you're feeling good about it, maybe you'll feel okay dropping 15 or 20 bucks when you're five or six hours in the game because they know you'll probably not be the person that sticks around to do DLC or anything else like that. But if they can get that extra 20 bucks out of like one out of every five players, that's a massive amount of money. And I think that's what their monetary system is. And I think it's in a lot of ways, it's worse than EA. Um, but at the same time, I also feel like it's a lot more upfront than a lot of these other AAA vendors. Um, but I just I don't know how viable this is going to be for these guys in the long term. Like I just I don't see it because there are so many options out. It's the same reason why you know cable companies couldn't pull all the shit that they did you know ten years ago when we started when Netflix came on the scene and now we have all these streaming options. So now people just hop in and out of ecosystems when it comes to well this shows out. And I'll just check it out and I'll binge it and I'll do this. Like nobody stays engaged this long. And I'm not sure why they're chasing these metrics because I don't know what it gets them. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, especially with like media, it's like TV shows that go on forever. And it's like all you're doing is just losing people. Yeah. That's why I kind of like Netflix has a lot of shows that end after like three or four seasons. Yeah. Enough for you to binge, binge for like uh, a few days or a few weeks and then you can move on to the next thing. Yep. And it, rather than having, you know, Game of Thrones where you get to seven, eight seasons and people are just angry by the end because it didn't end exactly how it, they wanted it to in their head. <laughs> right. And it's just like now everybody just hates those guys, think they're hacks. Uh, it's yeah. like, OK, they gave you like seven good, great seasons that had you sticking around till the end. And then now because it didn't end, which very few shows and very few shows end really well when they get that long. That's the truth. You know, it's amazing when game when shows at least end in like a okay, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's it's interesting how often you run into games that, or excuse me, how, uh, shows that don't stick the landing. I think it's the same with games, and I think, but I think if we're if we're doing like a comparison in that, we're trying to make it apples to apples. The big difference with the game portion of it is, is that imagine if every show that really just needed to be two or three seasons is ten. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing happen with games where it's just yeah. like, man, this shit. I mean, how many reviews have you guys seen over the last couple of years where, you know, one of the main things that you'll have somebody say is this shit should have ended like 10, 20 hours earlier. Yeah. And yeah. You see that more and more and more. And Ubisoft, I think, is really a huge, huge uh, company that is just – God, like uh, Assassin's Creed Origins was huge. I just beat that recently. And I couldn't believe it. I was probably maybe 40 hours into it. And by the end – I pretty much disengaged with every side quest that I could because it was like, I'm interested in this, but I've, I've had my, it's like, I just got to mainline this. I just, yeah, I just need it over. I can't, I can't do it anymore. And so let me, let me ask you this. I got the DLC stuff and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to play it. Okay. I'm going to make this analogy. Okay. Ubisoft is CBS where you're like, holy shit, they're still doing this show. The show is seven seasons now. I just thought it came out two years ago. Yeah. Sort of thing where you're like, wait, they're still adding to that game to wildlands. What? Yeah. People yeah. are still playing this? Like and it's like, oh, they're America's most watched network. It's like, yeah, for old people. <laughs> old people and weirdos that watch the Big Bang <laughs> theory. That's just uh, yes. And it's like, oh, we got the spin off and then I, those I people that's... are making something new. It's about esports and it's like, gonna... okay, sure. Dude, that's a great analogy, yeah, because like half the shit that they're pulling out is like, so yeah, you're talking about you know Big Bang Theory, and then like, what what are they putting out next? Young Sheldon or some bullshit? Like, Which is on its probably third season now, I assume. Yeah, that's probably crazy, like I didn't realize that. No, I had no idea, and it is. Yeah. It's an interesting analogy because 
I, CBS has definitely had some some good programming, but it's it's all about this stuff overstaying. It's like how well. much CSI have they aired? Yeah, and all that's like all of it. Like there's hundred <laughs> seasons of that. There's some reality series. I think it's about like uh, it has to be like about the housing market or something. It has like a thousand seasons because they just film so much at once, and it's like every month is a new season's yeah. worth of content. It's like, it's a thousand episodes. Yeah. I, she, think that's, I think that's a great analogy, Chris. That is what it seems like. And, and now they're at the point where I, again, I just, it's, it's kind of like how we saw the, the indie market pop up. Uh, in yeah, Young Sheldon's on to, third season. Oh my God. That's all 49 episodes. But yeah, we saw the indie market crop up in reaction to the fact that, you know, um, developers basically made the uh, the 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 double A market disappear, the mid level games, yeah. and now I'm 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 really curious to see what the reconfiguring is going to be from this generation into the next because that's the other thing to think about. Like, look, we were just talking about The Last of Us a few minutes ago. Like, it takes forever to develop games. Like yeah. maybe, and that's the other reason why I think you see Ubisoft. You know, they have a template, and it, and they can slot a bunch of shit into it. Like, that's the only reason that I think that they can pipeline these games out the way that they can. Yeah. Um, and there's like a but, lot of games out there that are really good as like episodic, where you get uh, a good chunk of it. Yeah, uh, like Hitman, I think is perfect for that. And like when they put out Hitman Two, mm-hmm. it was still great, but it's like okay, I just I'm gonna play this uh, area once, and I'll go to the next area, then the next. And it's like, I'm not engaging with it as much as I would right. normally. And it's like, I think a lot of games would benefit from that though. The backlash of people like, Oh, I'm not getting a complete game. And it's like, you're getting like 10 hours a game. That's, but I think that's the that's other, I think that's the other thing that's going to be an interesting thing that we'll see next generation. And I'd love to hear like Phil and Pat and Brandon, what you guys think of this as well as you, Dan, I, with as big as these games are getting, does the idea of the complete version matter anymore? Cause like, I think about these these game of the year edition games that I've bought because I've waited around and like like Assassin's Creed Odyssey was a perfect example. Like the DLC seems really interesting, but you already got like sixty hours of my time. I can't. I'm not going to give you more of it. And I, I kind of wonder how we had that obsession for two generations of. You know, am I getting the complete version of this? Are they ripping me off? Like now, I think that's sort of been turned on its head, where it's like, no, they're not really ripping me off. It's there's too much shit anyway. So, am I even going to play this? I think that's the next question, and and I'm real curious to see how how developers are going to handle it because I just we keep talking about you know we've talked in the past about about you know the the um, industry crashing. And I don't, I don't think it's going to be from a glut of games. I think it's just going to be from people being tired of the games that are being made. And I wonder if we're starting to get to that point. The fact that you have a company like Ubisoft waving up the fucking white flag like we fucked up, I think it's a, it's a really fucking huge red flag. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, from the way that I consume my content, to answer your question, I don't really care about complete editions. I mean, like, we'll, we'll take my game of the year last year, for example, Spider-Man. I've never touched any of the DLC. Um, we'll take Horizon the year before. I didn't touch Frozen yep, Wild. Same here. Um, uh, this year, like I really, really wanted to get into Monster Hunter Iceborne, but I, I found out you had to have beaten the other game, which I didn't do. So 
it's tough and there's so much other things to play. And then if you actually do find time to get back to it, like for example, uh, the Breath of the Wild DLC, when I got back into it, I was already fed up with the UI and I was like, I forgot yeah. how to play this game and I don't want to play it anymore. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is it, is it, is it there's so much they're overstaying their welcome. That's the other reason why, frankly, I kind of, to a certain extent, while I disagree with what they've done, I kind of understand Ubisoft's monetization policy. Because think about like what you're talking about, Dan Reb, where you're like, at, by the time I fucking was able to get into you know, the DLC that they did sell me, did I even want to play it anymore? And I think it's, you're, we're starting to see that happen where a lot more people are like, no, no, I don't. And so I think that's one of the reasons why Ubisoft is – has pursued the the monetary model that they had because they're like we know you're probably not going to buy the DLC but if we can get an extra 20 bucks out of you we're going to and again I don't I think it's scummy but I can kind of understand why they're doing it but it's it's also this is happening because of the way they've designed their own games like if you've made everything so it's unfinishable if everything is supposed to be the last game that you ever played everybody gets sick of shit eventually uh-huh I mean, everybody does, right? Like, even even yeah. fucking people that you love, your friends, you're stuck in a room with those assholes for fucking, you know, nine days. You're going to be like, I need a break. You know, <laughs> it's the same kind of thing here. We're like, yeah. how much of these similar types of games can you just keep playing over and over? And and now there seems to finally be a monetary uh, uh, pushback for that, which I, I just find really, really interesting because I just, frankly, have never had enough faith in gamers to be like – yeah, we're we're done with this. But you know what? Maybe maybe they are. Maybe we're getting there. Yeah. See, um, for me, it's always been that I I kind of want the happy medium. You know, I don't want the game that expects you at the counter to commit to this is the only game I'm going to play forever. I want a reasonable commitment that respects my time. But if I find that I'm really, really, really getting into it, I do want that option to stick around for 100 hours, 200 hours, you know, MMO, um, MMO length, even if um, – but I, I don't want to feel like I got fucked over if I choose not to. Hmm. So um, maybe yeah. they're poking around the correct, you know, the happy medium, but uh, we're definitely not there yet. Oh. Yeah, I, yeah. I think what we're for me anyway, it's uh, it's just a matter of what sticks uh, because uh, I'm not going to stick around for a hundred plus hours in a game if the first fifteen, twenty, thirty minutes or hour or two doesn't interest me in the least. Mm. Uh, and you know, n- no amount of rewards or daily bonuses or stuff like that uh, is going to change uh, that for me. It's uh, really a matter of like, yeah, if I can't really, if I can't enjoy what you're, you know, putting out, uh, yeah. I'm not going to, yeah. you know. There, there's a very justifiable instant gratification um, demand going on. They're like, mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. satisfaction now. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, well, for, I think- for me, it's, it's, it's gameplay. It's got to be something that I very much in- enjoy. Yes. I've spent 500 plus hours on Defense Grid 1. I've spent about that in, on Defense Grid 2. I'm at almost 300 hours in PC Building Simulator. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's yeah. a big problem with games where not many of them are great to come back to. Right. Because uh, either they don't have great uh, quest tracking systems to be like, this is what you were doing before you took six months or a year right. off or whatever. Or right. you've forgotten how to play and but you're far enough in the game where they know 
they expect you to know how to play. Like that's what happened with me with Mirror's Edge. I was probably like halfway in the game. I came back a while later and was like, I have no idea what how to fuck to play this game. Hmm. Yeah, you know what's so being funny halfway about that? into the game. Not just that; it's so simple to add that kind of stuff. Like if you're playing an RPG and it's just, like, just a little most like tell me, tell me how to play this game again because I forgot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing. And I think it's so interesting to have this stuff happen because what we've seen over this generation in particular was a lot of these these developers are obsessed with engagement numbers but it doesn't seem like they're actually doing much to help people come back and get engaged again if they've left and then you do run into that thing where you're like oh i didn't like this this facet of it like i think i'm right at speaking of breath of the wild i think i'm right at I, I killed the or not killed i uh, i finished the the fourth divine beast and it was like do i really want to go around and and find more uh more shrines i think i meant like 60 and then it was just like no i really don't but i stepped a bow on it yeah i stepped away from it and now i don't really remember how to play um so i haven't gone back and finished it and then and then you know i remember at one point i did go back to it a couple of months ago and my my big issue with that game has always been you know the weapon breakage and the ui and it was just like i don't want to fucking be annoyed so I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna engage. And so I kind of like I said, again, I think this is a big reason why Ubisoft front loads and monetizes the way that they do. I think it's because they know the way that these games are being made is they're not they're not it's weird. They're designed for long term engagement, it seems like, but they aren't designing the games to actually keep you engaged. It's just, you know, boilerplate quests and all kinds of bullshit. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and things that just don't end. And then the worst part, like in particular with Ubi, like with, um, what is it, with uh, Odyssey? You know, Odyssey has an option for you to make your own levels and shit. And yeah. what a lot of people will do is they'll make levels that you can grind, and Ubi will take those down in one or two days. So then that just only reinforces the narrative that they just want you to play endlessly. And you create a type of system where, I mean, fuck it, we're gamers, right? Like a lot of these guys want to try and figure out a way to game the system, yeah, yeah, and so. and and they and so particularly, it seems like they're designing it against people being able to do that, which is really funny. Like the most fun that I don't know if any of you guys ever played Grand Theft Auto Online. Most fun I ever had with that game was fucking trying to find ways to dupe because it was like, oh wow, this is awesome. Like this is a game about about being a criminal, and I'm technically stealing from Rockstar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like this. That that was awesome. You know, which in contrast, their mission design is always against against that sort of thing. Yeah, we have to play it the way they want. Because I remember playing like GTA Three. It's like, oh, I know this mission. I'm going to be. They're going to escape out the back end, so I'm going to put some cars back there that blocks them, and, and they start the mission grenade. and they just disappear because mm-hmm. uh, it just reloads everything. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, this is they purport themselves to be this huge sandbox. You can do anything, and all that, but you can't undermine the game and that persists all the way to red dead uh red dead redemption 2 yeah where you have to play those missions and even to the point where they have metal ratings for them mm. it's like oh you did this all perfectly here's a gold medal yeah and it's like yeah. that com- that conflicts so much with the rest of the game where it's like oh it's this open world you can kind of do whatever you want go at your own pace but you if you want to play story missions you have to do it this exact way this is how you do it right you can't like improvise yeah. and it's like so. that's always the weird thing about rockstar with that stuff and yeah, it's from what I've heard about their online stuff with Red Dead Redemption 2, it's like it's kinda not going so well. 
Yeah, I didn't even fuck with it because it was it it was seemed like it was specifically designed to be punitive. Um, and and GTA Five Online was definitely designed to be uh, punitive, but not not to the extent that that now there's uh, just so much that Red Dead is. Yeah, and and uh, online is actually GTA Online is a lot of fun. Like if there for almost anything that you would like to do, you can do it. It's a really interesting place to play. I'm really curious what they'll do with GTA Six, but the the other part of it that concerns me is it goes back to the initial thing that we were talking about is the monetization model. Like just. Like in, in GTA uh, 5 Online, I don't know how many of you guys have played it. Like there's – when you die, you lose money. And yeah, if you don't stash it in your bank. Yeah, and the thing is is every time you die, like to reload and all this other stuff, um, your ammo, I mean all of that shit costs money. And so it, it's, it works similar to like a fixed uh, armor repair cost in like an MMO, but it's way fucking worse. And I don't know. I don't know what the point of designing it that way was, except to force people to move towards buying credits. You know, um, and I mean, this is I mean, we're just seeing this more than than anything just be the norm. And I don't know how. I don't know how these games. I don't know how these companies are going to make this work. Where it's just like all we're doing is we're going to get as much money from you at the front as we can, and then we know there's not going to be anything left afterwards. That's not sustainable. And I don't know how they can keep that up. And that's a bigger concern for me overall for the industry because, you know, as you have, you know, like we're looking at it with Ubisoft, I mean, their stock loss value. So that's that's the other part of this is that, you know, as these guys are, are, are looking at well, what does this do for my stock prices? It's not about creating a game that's fun or engaging or anything else like that. It's about creating a hamster wheel. And I think more than ever, we have a shit ton of hamster wheels uh that are out there and, and I, people seem to be finally like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to get off, Yeah, which is, so, is really refreshing because I don't yeah. have a lot of faith in gamers. You guys know that. Yeah. So, I mean, we could continue with the discussion for probably another half an hour, but uh, we got yeah. a lot of other stuff. We should probably get to the rest of the Ubisoft news, which is the delays. Yeah, we're super Because they delayed, uh, let's see, Watch Dogs, Legion, Gods and Monsters, and Rainbow Six Quarantine, which are all coming out in the first few months of next year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are going to be out. They don't think they don't have a date, but probably late next year. Uh, probably coincide with uh, the new consoles. They also said there are two other games they have uh, not announced yet, but would also be releasing around the same time. Uh, so they're going to have probably be all in on the next consoles, which is the typical Ubisoft model. Mm-hmm. So they put out a bunch of stuff, and the things that stick, uh, they can exploit for the rest of the generation. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, like Rainbow Six is definitely one of those games where like that game came out and people had lots bad. of issues with it. It was bad. Uh, it's great. The gameplay now. seemed fine, uh, but the the rest of it, how you unlocked heroes and all that, it was complete uh, nonsense. And now they're at the point where like quarantine is based off of an event they did in Rainbow Six Siege uh, that people liked a lot, like a Halloween event. It was all this like alien infestation stuff. And now they're spinning it out to its own game. Uh, and yeah, like that's a game that you wouldn't think is that huge, but it, it's super huge. Yeah, it's got uh, some especially with fun. lots of like it's fun stuff too. going on with it's it. It's a too. lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it just it goes back to that same thing. Like you know, that was another game that was released and was just it, it wasn't good when it was released, yeah. and they fixed it afterwards. And the thing is, is that you know they they've basically been rewarded for it in a lot of ways, but um, I still think yeah. it's just problematic overall. Yeah. You know, hopefully they take the time for this delay to actually release the games in a state that people will actually, you know, want to stick around and play them at. Yeah. yeah we'll see. Yeah. yeah, like the the unfortunate thing is like the Division 2 being used as like a 
uh, under underperforming game because that's like their most complete game they've released in a while. Because uh, it has like a really good end game system, like the world. You uh, when you beat the game, the campaign at least, uh, you kind of go back to the beginning, but with harder enemies and all that. Yeah, the premise uh, better itself loot is and all that too. stuff. Mm. It's like really well done. Yeah. Uh, and it's like this is what the division should have been. Uh, it took them a while to get it improved enough to where it was pretty good. Uh, and then Division Two comes out. It's like this is everything you kind of want. Well, that's that's always been Ubisoft's template, right? Like the first game is usually good, but then you're like, you know, the next game is going to be fucking awesome. And um, yeah, that's just kind of how they've always operated. But it seems to have gotten much much worse. Where it's like. Yeah, the first game is incomplete and we'll fix it up, but the next one will be awesome. And I think the other thing that's interesting too about just their general broad failings in this in this space is that a lot of the concepts of what they're doing is all really interesting. Like like we were talking about a few minutes ago, Breakpoint's concept is really interesting because it, it, it flips how you would normally play these games on its head. Um, but, you know, yeah. you, you don't execute yeah. on that. You know, it yeah. is what it is. No, there's no doubt that Ubisoft has a lot of talent behind them. What I think they honestly lack, and uh, this is the business model is kind of hurting them here, it's focus. Yep. Yeah. So, Which goes back to the general issue in, in that we were talking about is that the every it goes back to what Chris said a few months ago. Everybody wants to make this game that you never get tired of. And, you know, that's that's obviously very tricky. Like, I'm thinking about what Pat said. Like, if I'm engaged in this and I do want to be able to put 100 hours into it, there should be enough meat on the bones there for me to do that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I, I'm really just wondering if a lot of these developers just don't know how to fucking do that. Like, so many of these games that we've talked about are, are most of the most of the the stuff that helps you level and is, you know, kind of is supposed to get you engaged is really just busy work. It reminds me, like, you remember when you guys were in school? Mm-hmm. And your fucking teachers would give you like phonics sheets because they didn't have anything else to teach you for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Like that's what a lot of the shit feels like. And mm-hmm. that just, again, short term profit wise, it seems to have done really well, but it just doesn't, I don't think it works long term because all they're doing is they're creating games that are, you know, you know, a mile long, but three inches deep. Yeah. And, you know, I think the biggest casualty that I can think of this generation that dealt with that was Anthem. Like, whoever thought that Bi- – I know that they're obviously not Ubisoft, but who would ever thought that Bioware was going to fucking fall that far and and produce this just weird thing that Earth. doesn't know what the fuck – yeah, that just doesn't know what it wants to be. It's not good at anything, uh, you know. And, and yeah. I think, you know, we're, you're starting to see that now too. Like, Ubisoft has been able to pump out a lot of these games because they're persistent, you know, they're consistently. They have 20 different stuff. studios around the yeah, world that can studios, yeah. feed into and, these games. And I don't want to shit on them in, in, to a certain extent because I don't, you don't really ever hear, at least the, not that I'm aware of, of like Ubisoft employees being uh, taken advantage of or upset or anything like that. No. Um, they're, they're definitely not an EA. And but they're also spread out pretty far yeah. around the world so you may not necessarily be tapped into that stuff as much yeah. well not just that too i think it, you know as long as their their pipeline handoff works well i yeah. think i think it probably it's the kind of thing where they can go well, we'll hand this to this guy we'll hand this to that this group that group etc and they yeah. can just do that and pass it off and, and that's really really efficient yeah so, and there's a lot of things at play but i yeah. just i think overall that that's so you know fuck we're not even gonna talk about blizzard fuck blizzard um but I think that's the other part of this. That's just the, Blizzard's having the same problem. Blizzard keeps producing 
um, things that don't engage their player base in the way that they want to be engaged. And I don't know how you solve that because the only way I think you can solve that is by listening to the people that you're selling to. And they don't seem remotely interested in that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I think there's definitely an issue of keeping people on board a game. Uh, and I think Destiny kind of has some of the best ideas for having the expansions. Uh, kind of keeping it a bit more like what PC is used to, where you have the base game and you just keep adding expansions for as long as the audience is engaged mm-hmm. uh, before you even think about a sequel versus like, well, we put this sequel out. We might have another one in like three years. We're going to try and keep making content to the point where people are happy with that game, but then they don't really want to move on to the next game. It's like if you could find some way of adding like a sequel to that original game where it's just, oh, this is like 40 bucks expansion. That is the new yeah. game. I think there's potential for that kind of getting into the uh, the console space that makes it uh, more accessible where you just have this game that keeps getting bigger like, like a WoW or something like that where it's like you can play all of that, pretty much all of that content that's ever been released. Uh and you kind of have less of a reason to jump into some of the new stuff there. Uh, partially quality rise, but also like you're probably still far behind on what you've had to do for the last you know couple years. Like there's a lot of weird stuff with how you keep games going and sequels and all that that not a lot of companies have figured out how to extend the life of the one game without in- interfering with the other, the next game. Yeah. So that's kind of a, an issue that I think it's going to have to be addressed next gen, especially if you have these consoles made more for uh, these expanding games uh, with like less load times, more storage space with SSD at the core of those consoles uh, and better tech and all that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how like that's been the one issue of this gen is like this technical issue of like getting the game to you in a reasonable amount of time uh, and helping you stay with it and know like what's going on in this game without having to load it up because it takes forever to get into most of these games. Uh, just to load them up, but yeah, that's going to be uh, an interesting thing with next gen, as we see like what Microsoft and Sony have in store to upgrade the experience for this gen. Yeah, so uh, we'll move on from there to uh, from you know Ubisoft homogeny to uh, extreme avarice. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so uh, we've got uh, some EA stories. Uh, EA has canceled NBA Live Twenty. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a bit of a shame. How are they ever going to fix that series? I want them to. Uh, it's not really even a uh, a quality issue because the last two games have been, I would say, more fun than uh, NBA 2K has been for the last few years. Uh, wow. It's literally, I think we're in that death spiral of that sports genres have, like, you know, with NHL where 2K stopped being all that good and people just like, well, we're just buying NHL. We're not bothering with this competition, and you get into that weird cycle where uh, less and less people want to support the competition, but when the the leader is not doing well themselves, they refuse to buy the competition even then hmm. to like Ugh. to keep this competition going. So it's like uh, NBA Live has been doing some cool things as far as like sales and such. Like uh, I think you pre-ordered those games; they were forty bucks instead of sixty, just to try and get a foothold, and as well as being in EA Access. Uh, and having some aggressive sales at times. Uh, before NBA 2K was on sale for three bucks late last season, uh, EA had it on sale for yeah, five I bucks up, around I the All-Star game. That. And I didn't, I'm not, probably never going to play it, but like, why pass up a sale? Yeah, like NBA Live 20 uh, or 19 was on sale for five bucks around the hall, uh, 
the the All Star Break. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's a really great price. People should buy that out, buy that, and see like how this game is better in uh, a number of ways than NBA 2K. But then I see people are like, oh, I want competition, but I'm not buying NBA Live, and it's like, well, <laughs> you. You're just encouraging there to not be competition. Yeah. What is their monetization stuff. model? Because I know there is one. There's not really much in the way of <laughs> transactions. Not compared either. to so, 2K. Nope. No, it's pretty minor because like, they have the the ultimate team stuff, but not really like as aggressive as it is in like FIFA or men. Either like their campaign you can't buy. You don't spend your currency that you earn to upgrade your character, so there's not that whole incentive to change how... Uh, faster characters uh, uh, level up. Like you just earn XP that increases your character, and you uh, get like skill points to upgrade your character. Like it's all pretty normal stuff. Like it's about as friendly as an EA game gets. Yeah, you know it, it uh, definitely is frustrating that EA just can't find a way to get this game out, and I, I honestly don't see a reason why. But I also do have to commend them to an extent because you know you look at WWE 2K24 example, that game is an absolute fucking mess. Yeah, doesn't yeah. it look like a fucking Xbox uh, 360 yeah, like, game? It, you know what I right? It, 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 it looks on the rare occasions when it's in the previous properly. version, <laughs> and like it was already bad to begin with. So the fact that they released it is like beyond crazy but like the reason why they released it in the first place is because you know they have that um licensing contract with wwe so it's the same thing with ea here they they have a license within within with nba but at the same time they actually have the balls to cancel it and move on and say hey we're just going to go ahead and focus yeah. on that again mm-hmm. yeah because they're mid they switch developers mid cycle uh which is always going to create some issues especially because i think it's one of the support studios for the last few years that kind of got moved up to making the full game which means they're yeah. not going to be ready at all for launch, so they kind of got what they could done. Uh, and they said like they're going to try and fix as much as they can over the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't really blame them. I blame it on uh, 2K and the WWE, like requiring there be a game out every year, even if uh, the end product is going to look like this. <laughs> Where it's like the cover athlete looks like shit in the game, mm-hmm. and it's like why is that good? Like. They even go back and, like, I saw uh, Giant Bomb's Quick Look was, like, just going through the roster and looking how good the character models looked. And it's like, they got Macho Man wrong. They got uh, the Big Boss Man wrong. They got Hulk Hogan wrong. <laughs> and it's like, how can you even get the Legends wrong? Uh, but there are also some weird instances where it looks like uh, they got the, the current scans of, the char- of those uh, older wrestlers, and they apply that as, like, their classic character. So it's like, you can clearly see this guy just has tons of wrinkles on his head or uh, the scarring on their forehead from using the the blade on their head constantly yeah. to uh, get the blood. And it's like you can see that for the guy, and this is supposed to be him when he's like 25, 30. <laughs> and it's like this is not how it and should the, work. The, the, the weird thing is about all that is uh, Macho Man and The Rock and Andre the Giant all require different licenses um, separate from WWE. And the fact that they still were able to release it. It's kind of surprising because I also work for a company that makes a WWE game, and there were so many checks and balances, and like that actually, um, you know, didn't 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 really help us in the long run. But you know, they actually had guidelines for us, but with 2K, they they didn't exist. So I don't know what the hell happened there. Yeah, I think 2K yeah. has got a sweetheart deal, basically. <laughs> just yeah, to, yeah. Just get it out there. At least for NBA Live here, it seems like they're basically saying like, we're gonna scrap this because it's not gonna be probably not gonna do what we want. So let's. Uh, rethink this for the next consoles. Yeah. Kind of do what they try to do this gen, 
uh, with uh, 14 and 15, which were not good games. Hmm. Uh, they had to take that break and sort of come back and rethink things where it actually got good with 18 and 19. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's what they're doing. It's like, we'll try this again, but they're on a good uh, on a good path with what they've been doing the last couple of years. So hopefully when they get uh, to the, the PS5 and Xbox 2, we'll have a much stronger competition that hopefully people at some point realize like their dislike of 2K means they can support something else. They don't have to just spend the 60 bucks every year. Yeah. Or I would more. love to be a fly on the wall in those EA meetings where they did, decided to go ahead and can and be live 20, though. I mean, yeah. uh, the NBA has been growing at a steady rate for the past few years, so it's weird. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. technically the game has not been announced yet. Hmm. So that's kind of the whole weird thing. It's like, everybody knew it was supposed to be coming, but they just decided, like, we're not going to... It's not even worth announcing yet because we're still trying to figure out what we're doing. Mm-hmm. With yeah. this, so yeah, which is kind of what EA is doing right now is kind of rethinking things. Like they put out their announcement stuff, like they're going to do more remasters of some of their classic stuff, uh, which I assume means Mass Effect trilogy is coming at some point uh, for this or next gen. Like they're going to uh, kind of double back down on their the core parts of their uh, franchises. Like Battlefield is going to be at the launch, I think, of the next consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of get that back on track and all that. And so it makes sense. Like what EA and Ubisoft are doing is like, we need to kind of stop spreading ourselves out so much with these games and kind of rethink what's, what we're good at and what's right. the which audience goes, wants. Which even just goes back to that, that whole bloat thing we've been talking about for the majority of this, this, you know, this podcast is just, I mean, they're frankly, there's just, there is, there is too much, you know, and then like even like looking at the sports thing, like that's so interesting to me because you know most sports people are are inclined to put on their jersey, so to speak, you know. So you you say yeah. I'm, a, I'm a fucking two K guy, fuck this other shit, you know, and it's yeah. like man, that's a really and, and, and we saw the so you see the same shit with console wars, like that shit's not healthy no. for yeah. the industry. Like competition is fucking important because. Yeah. These guys could be putting out really. something. Yeah, these guys could be putting out something that you had no fucking idea that you would have wanted, and then you'll get yeah. something fucking awesome. Yeah. But if your yeah. attitude is just like, "Well, fuck it, I'm not even gonna fucking try it," like really, that's what y'all are doing these days. Yeah, yeah. So, and they'll be there to complain about like, "Oh, why are the animations the same every year? Why is you know this and this the same every year?" And it's like, you know, you can spend that money on something else. You don't have to sit here and buy the thing and then complain about it. That's one of the things that's months. always been so interesting to me about sports games, too, particularly with EA's games. Like if you ever look at EA when they talk about the next version of their game, it's always like, yeah, we know that fucking, you know, they'll talk about, you know, whatever this year's game is, and it's the greatest shit ever. And then next year when they're talking about the new thing that's coming out, they're like, yeah, the shit we had last year was fucking press dog shit on a disc. You know, like, yeah. That's something that's always, and I think it comes from the fact that they have to continue to iterate over and over and over again, probably. Yeah. It's basically and, like a nine-month development cycle, essentially. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so. Which is a crazy rate to do that stuff at, because you have to basically plan out where you're going to do your upgrades for multiple games ahead of you. It's like, okay, this is what we think we can do in this nine months, uh, and then we'll try for this next year, and maybe this year after that, we're going to try and upgrade uh, the engine for the animation stuff. Uh, and it's like that's a crazy pace uh, that maybe like uh, an extended life uh, sequence because I think NBA Live 19 got an update to maybe update the rosters mm-hmm. uh, as a result of them sort of doing this stuff. I could be wrong on that, but it's like that sort of stuff could be useful 
uh, with sports games instead of just potentially putting out the same thing or the game out every year as like a separate thing from the previous years. Yeah. Uh, there could be potentially good ways of uh, doing that stuff and like keeping the games around, getting money from people uh, for the upgrades. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, sports are in a very weird spot where it's like they're very old school in the way they release. Like here's this year's game. Uh, it has obviously the new teams or rosters or changes, uh, as well as some new features and such. But we're never going to completely change things as much as like a Destiny or you know a Ubisoft game or you know whatever uh, makes changes during the course of that game's life. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of always a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. In terms of yeah, see, this is this is the shit that makes me think about a fucking a video game crash. It's not, it's not a lack of money. It's not any of that. It is just an overproduction of everything that people supposedly like to a point where, you know, people have, have buyers paralysis. Because like when you think about like the trend of games in general over this last two generations, it was well, this thing is not going to be complete. You know, we saw that start really happen in the Xbox 360 days where they, they essentially tried to take a PC model of the, the game of the year edition, you know. And then now I think you, you see that it's turned into something else entirely where it was let's hold back some shit or some stuff that we couldn't we couldn't finish on time because development is hard, you know. So it's like here's some shit we couldn't finish. We can add it later in the game and we can make more money off of it. And then it's sort of transitioned into these things are so fucking big, who would have time to do it anyway? Yeah. So, uh, and speaking of uh, EA rethinking things, uh, as of next week, uh, EA games are returning to Steam. Yep. You're still yeah, going to need the launcher. Origin? I'm curious about that. You're still going to need the Origin launcher to install. Well, like, you're doing like Ubisoft, Ubisoft stuff. stuff did. Yeah, yeah where exactly. You can buy the game on Steam, but your your ass is still playing through. You're logging into their network in the back end. Yeah. Uh, which makes sense. Uh, but also, they're bringing EA access to Steam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'd be able to get access, which is going to be a worse deal in, on Origin, because they have a bunch of third-party stuff in Indies in the in that subscription. Yeah. Which they're not going to be able to do on Steam, but yeah, it's kind of interesting that they're going to do that. Uh, yeah, Star Wars Jedi: The Fallen Order is going to be out uh, this fall. It's already got a Steam page for that. Is that yeah. is that going to be on EA Access? Uh, yeah, it's premium. Yeah. Uh, there's EA Act. There's what's well, on PC, it's Origin Access and mm-hmm. Origin Access Premiere, which gets mm-hmm. you the full game up front at launch. Uh, mm-hmm. Origin Access gets you a 10-hour demo or whatever the the equivalent is for games that aren't necessarily like sports games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might give you like the first couple levels or you know a couple hours to play, sort of thing. Whatever uh, way they parse it up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, depending on how much you want to pay for the access to that stuff, you can. Uh, check it out in a variety of ways, on Origin at least. Mm-hmm. But EA Access will probably be just, you get the trial of it uh, up front. But yeah, uh, let's see. I don't know what else they're doing as specifically part of the Access thing. Like They bring in all their older games to this? Eventually. They, yeah. Uh, starting so off it probably with... won't be a great service to have up front unless you're just that into Star Wars that you're not, that you want to play a demo but not the full game. I don't know. Right. Right. Well, yeah, you get like ten percent off, I assume, hmm. uh, the the price through EA Access, mm-hmm. if if it works that way on Steam as hmm. well. Because I don't know that they have yeah, they haven't that sort of thing. That part of it. Yeah, hmm. there's a lot of details that they need to iron out, but they still got a couple weeks here. Yeah, 
So it feels like that's, that's EA's it. entire MO. We got a couple of details we need to figure out here, guys. Yeah. yeah. The, the good part, though, is that uh, because they're going to be available on Steam again, uh, it's also going to mean that uh, comes with you know the Steam features that people like, like yeah. user reviews, so people can complain about how shitty their games are. Uh, yeah. So there's that, at least. Uh, and, yeah. and believe me, if Jedi Fallen Order turns out to be a complete clusterfuck as far as monetization goes, and they've said they wouldn't be, but can we really trust EA to do right. anything that they actually say? We don't believe you. Yeah, you need so more people. Now we'll, yeah. just, uh, we'll be able to see, for sure. So. Yeah, it, and it also runs to the same issue that the the other versions of EA Access is it doesn't transfer across platforms. Yeah. So if you have it on Xbox One, you don't have it on PS4 or PC. Why would I even... Yeah, it's the whole thing is like expecting you to pay over again. I kind of get it a little bit in that the libraries are different. It's not like Netflix where you, it's the same on any platform pretty much. But also, I think if they had like you know instead of paying five bucks a month, it was eight bucks a month, and you got it Everything on two of the platforms, or ten bucks a month, and you got it on all the platforms. Yeah. That would make more sense. Yeah. yeah. But but we're talking about yeah yeah. Uh, and our final story, it's nice to see that uh, Namco Bandai is still supporting Soul Calibur VI. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been kind of weird, because I would have expected that game to get a really big following, but it just it kind of didn't. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that it's really good. Uh, but anyway, uh, we've got uh, Hildy. Season 2 is coming. And... So, yeah, Season 2, Hildy, everybody's favorite polearm uh, wielding heroine. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most divisive characters in the... <laughs> In the series, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So uh, she's going to be joining Holmaru, uh, who's in there. So yeah, it's Soul Calibur Six is a really interesting game. I think uh, at this stage, people should probably go back to it because yes, it has. Well, it's it's effect. in the humble bundle this month for um for PC. Oh, oh Jesus, hell yes, for in <laughs> December. Getting yeah. that shit. Mm. Uh, yeah, good game. Well, I have it on PS4, so I don't technically need to get the PC version, but I might just do it to support them, because, yeah. yeah. It's just good to have. Yeah. Since I've started to play a lot more on the PC lately anyway, so. Mm. Anyway. All right, so let's move on to BlizzCon. Cause, Yay! Uh, do, we just, do we just want to cover this next week? I don't know. Well, well there's not a whole should... lot to talk about. There's just a couple of main things. First one is... Uh, their apology slash non-apology, which is bad. I yeah, see, like at first, like when when you read it in text, it's it seems kind of okay. Like they are fixing to give him mea culpa, but no, the, they yeah, don't. When you actually see him deliver it, yeah, and actually, Rack looked like he was gonna cry, legit though. But, yeah, but then actually pause and wait for a pop, which he eventually did get. Uh, it's, it just, it starts to come off as a little disingenuous. Uh, well, the fact is, is like, do you believe him? I don't know if I believe him, especially considering the fact that he, uh, that he spent like what, five, six minutes apologizing and didn't actually, uh, once say what he was apologizing for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I mean, I was brought up saying, like, if I was, if I'm going to apologize for something, I'm going to acknowledge what I actually did. Yeah, you got to acknowledge what you did. That was the thing that was missing in his, in his apology was like, so what did you do exactly? And it was just like, and, you know, maybe it was like him thinking like, well, fuck it, you know, everybody, I just, knows, uh, but, yeah, everybody knows, but I just, I don't get that. Yeah. And, yeah. and 
it that was that was a part of it. It just seems so disingenuous. Like really, this is yeah. That's what y'all are doing, huh? You didn't mention yeah. Hong Kong. Uh, I, the closest that they got was uh, I think the exact words were a difficult Hearthstone esports moment. Yeah. I it's just come on, guys. Um, Let's be honest know, here. Just just man here, up. Here, and here's the part that hurts because after that. You know, and let's be honest, we've all been for the last couple of weeks, fuck Blizzard, I will never play a Blizzard game ever again. I hope they burn. And then they show Diablo 4. Yeah, that was the other thing. That was the key pivot. It was like, we're sorry, and here's some, you know, here's Diablo 4. And then, like, that goes back to, like, what we were talking about a little bit with, like, not not believing that gamers have any spines or, you know, having any faith in them. It's just because of that kind of thing where you're like... Yeah... Especially the three characters that they that they've already announced, oh, Barbarian. Everybody knows because he's it's a Diablo game. He's got a Barbarian, of course. Uh, yeah. Sorceress and Druid, my two favorite yeah. characters. Yeah, and oh. then of course there's the art direction, which is like the complete opposite of what Diablo three was. Yes, it's basically all Clive Barker and shit. Looks fantastic. Yeah, and, and but here's the thing. That was there, and I'm like, okay, okay, it looks good, but, you know, it's it's still kind of Diablo, and Diablo's fine, but y'all can't get me that easily. And then yeah. they show Overwatch 2 and say, oh, yeah, Overwatch 2 has a campaign, and I'm like, fuck! <laughs> yes, that, that's, yeah, that's the, basically how it boils down. The way they uh, are framing Overwatch 2 is pretty cool, because uh, if you just care about PvP, uh, you can just keep playing in the first game. They're going to add the, the new... Multiplayer modes to the first game. Yeah, uh, it's all the same content and all that. Uh, they're gonna add new heroes and such to it as well. Yeah, uh, and if you uh, decide to buy Overwatch two, like they're gonna bring all that stuff you've been doing all this and all that mm-hmm. are gonna come up. Yeah, so like it's, it's a pretty cool way of handling it. That kind of makes me think that more games should do that sort of thing. Right? Because like if you could just if- keep playing. Uh, Breakpoint, but it's in Wildlands. Like, yeah. if they just added uh, most of the like the 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 side content co-op and all that to the the game, if you just wanted to play the campaign, you could like, buy yeah, the, that the game. Be pretty like, cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it, it's 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 interesting too because that's the other part of it that makes this whole thing so difficult is because you do know at its core, like a lot of the people that work at Blizzard genuinely care about what their customers feel like. Yeah, and they don't want to just fucking pull a fast one on, and that's the other reason why this has been so frustrating in general is because it's really sort of an, antithetical to how they normally behave. Yeah, and then and you can see that in in how they're doing, like WoW or excuse me, uh, Overwatch Two, like that's fucking awesome what they're doing, and it's and like they and and Kaplan was very specific. He was like, we don't want any of the stuff that you've earned to go away. You know, and like, how can you be mad at something like that? Yeah, it's... but you can be because they do stupid shit like this whole fucking Hong Kong thing. Yeah. So I mean, it's just so you can see it. Like, where there's, it just kind of speaks to the whole problem that Blizzard's having in general. Where there's just this severe division at the company for how they should even handle this kind of thing. Yeah, um, I was. I remember just looking at the Overwatch thing, and I was just like, God, I wish Kaplan was still doing WoW because WoW is just so, so full of recycled shit right now. Yeah. And then, like, they were talking about all these, like, team-up moves and crazy shit you can do in PvE. And it was like, man, this fucking sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're, you know, like, uh, what was, like, the one thing 
everybody played Overwatch is like, man, Overwatch is fun. I love these characters. You know, freaking May. May is Bay. I mean, May is it's definitely a guy- Bay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and ironically, she's kind of been taken as a resistance symbol in Hong Kong. <laughs> that part's really funny to me. Um, that's hilarious. And it's like you know the art, the art style is great, and the universe, you know, the universe they've built up is really cool, and it's all very positive and optimistic, and which is so sort many- of like the antithesis of everything that Blizzard's doing right now. Like the Overwatch team would fight to free Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. And it's so <laughs> awesome. And then, but what was the one thing that everybody really wanted? from the first Overwatch. It was was an actual story mode, a campaign. And we're finally getting a campaign. Yeah, like, my wife saw that, and she was like, holy shit, I'll play Overwatch now, because she thinks all the characters are cool. She will play with me and my kid when they do their their holiday events. Mm -hmm. But she's like, I I don't like multiplayer shooters. I don't want to sit there and just get my head blown off 30 times by, I think she, she said, like, by some cocksucker in another state. <laughs> so, I mean, from what I've heard about the ranked play in Overwatch, that's not far off. Nope, <laughs> it's, it's awful, and uh, and it's and it's just it's rage inducing. It's it's uh, the closest uh, uh, analog to it to me I can think of is is like playing fighting games online where you're like bullshit. <laughs> I know I fucking hit that. Mm. You know. Um, Overwatch is very, very similar to that, <laughs> which is really conflicting with like the the style and vibe of the game. Yeah, they have this like super toxic community. That's like, okay, this you guys have missed a lot of messages in this game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be well, this, they just don't care. yeah, practice what yeah. you preach, motherfuckers. Shit. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, fuck it. Overwatch I still am mad at Blizzard. Like a really interesting setting in search of an actual game to you know to put behind it well we're yeah. probably fixing to get it yeah yeah so. like and i'm like you know it's like i'm but, still angry at blizzard but god damn it i love overwatch yeah i don't need what they got <laughs> and like the irony of the origin of overwatch is that it was made out of a failed game yeah, yeah. Big MMO MMO that's, yeah. yeah it's like they cobbled something that actually worked out well uh, it wasn't all the way there because, like, obviously PVE stuff was like the one missing link to that. Mm-hmm. That came in with like events on occasion. Yeah. Like, oh, you can play this like weird horde mode with other people. Yeah. Uh, sort of thing. But now they're kind of capitalizing on it in a cool way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it just shows them they're definitely a, a developer that seems to be in flux, and I don't think they exactly know. I, I, I can guarantee you that there are people in that fucking company that the minute that the the Hearthstone shit happened. They were like, fuck, because they're like, you know, no, no company's a monolith, right? Except EA and their shittiness. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of I mean, I work with software developers, too. Like people don't get into software development or game development or anything because they want to make bad things or upset people or, or do anything like that. And it is that's why when you have a company, I, I think, frankly, that's why it's important. The culture of a company is so important. And I think that's also the like if we saw EA pull this shit, I don't think anybody would be mad. Because you would expect that out of EA. Yeah. But it's it's different when Blizzard's cultural identity in relation to its customers is based around um, is based around inclusion, and you guys are part of this thing that we have, and and so for them that was why it was really such a shock that they pulled that shit with the with the free Hong Kong stuff because it really sort of is the antithesis of what they're supposed to stand for. Um, and then, yeah, and I guarantee you, like, folks, like I said, I know there are people, like, on the Overwatch team and everybody else that were like, oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. 
Actually, let me let me put this out there. Would you be surprised if we got news? Maybe next year, maybe the year after, there's going to be a new developer that's come out, brand new independent developing team made up of people formerly from Blizzard who specifically left the company because of this. I mean, it's I would not be shocked. It's possible. I mean, a lot of they lost a lot of their good folks over the last couple of years, and like Rob Pardo, especially. Um, you know, he he left and Morheim is gone. Like, that's the other thing. Like, this shit wouldn't happen under Mike Morheim. Like, he had a lot of autonomy when it came to the shit that Activision could do to them. But, you know, he's he's gone. You know, he stepped out and, and, and Brack is uh, – I don't know for any of you guys that ever paid any attention to WoW, Brack is really famous for saying something that makes a lot of sense. I found this out for my wife, actually, because um, she's knee-deep in software development in a way that I'm not. Um Brack got really famous a couple of years ago. Fuck, it was probably probably 10 years ago now, where he basically made this comment where people were talking about it at a WoW panel, like what they wanted. And he his response was, you think you want that, but you don't. And he got all kinds of shit for it. And the thing is, is revisiting that now that I'm, I'm starting to see more development side of things in software. Uh, and I was watching when, when that sort of replay of that happening, talking with my wife, because my wife develops things specifically. And she was like, man, she goes, I don't know that I would have said that out loud, but I got to give that guy balls because or give that give that guy credit for his balls, because that's a really honest statement that you don't normally hear in in game development is, you know, most develop most customers don't know what they want when it comes to what's being developed. They don't have a fucking clue. They think they do, but they don't. And they're not sure how any of these things would interact and all that other stuff. So he got really famous for that. Mm-hmm. Um Probably not for, you know, again, not for a good reason, but it just came. Not the way you want to be famous. Not the way you want to be famous. And then now he's the guy that's heading the company. I know that's that's sort of given a lot of people pause. Um, So I'm I'm just, I'm curious where they're going to go from from here because they lost a lot of good people. And, you know, you have to wonder how many people do want to stick around, especially after something like this. You know, they're in California. There's a lot of fucking Asian people that work at that company. There's a lot of people that probably have fucking family in China that saw that and were just like, oh, my fucking God. The Blizzard's a really diverse company, so oh yeah, I, I could just I could just imagine like just the the much head desking going on, yeah, that just would have happened. We're just like fuck, yeah, fuck. But let, let me let's let me tr- let's try to put a bow on this because yeah, uh, we're running long. But uh, I'll, I'll just say this, okay? If you contrast uh, the the content that Blizzard showed last year with what we're seeing this year. Well, last year was an abortion. Yeah, last year was an abomination. I mean, we got last yeah. year. We got don't oh, don't you guys have phones? Yeah. Uh, it, and it was you could definitely tell between last year and this year that there was. Oh, they learned a some lot. shit. Yeah, they learned some shit. You heard some shit, but well, no, because Hong Kong was just them getting that moment out of the way early. It, uh, let me finish. Uh, you can definitely tell that between last year and this year. There was a lot of discussion and a lot of uh, maybe I'll call it soul searching uh, at, at the company to figure out okay is this the path that we actually want to go down right and it, it, like I think after they got that reaction to uh, Diablo Immortal uh, they probably maybe at the last minute decided not to show Diablo Four because they yeah, probably you know- were they probably were fixing to do it. Well, and if you guys noticed, Diablo Immortal didn't get shown at all. No, it didn't. Which is hilarious. Yeah. 
So basically, the ball is in uh, is in Brack's court at this point. Uh, yep. Lift Blitzchung's uh, suspension, uh, and uh, actually start showing us that you mean what you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's what you got to do. All right. Well, Blizzard has just had this problem for fucking ages. Where I think that they are the one company that has taken their their goodwill um, from their customers and just squandered the fuck out of it. Especially like when you look at what they've done with like WoW, what they've done with Hearthstone. So many people are fucking not engaged in Hearthstone now because of the shit that Blizzard does. Yep. Um, and and you know, you're, we we also saw that happen now with Diablo, right? Like with Diablo, with, with the whole Infernal thing, there are a lot of people that are like, I'm not gonna fuck. No, fuck you. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so now the only thing they can really fuck up going forward is Overwatch, and I I don't, I don't think they'll be able to do that with Kaplan at the fucking helm. Kaplan is a uh, Kaplan's a monster, um, and I don't think anybody's telling him what the fuck to do. But it's still just fucking crazy. Like how how do you go from being Blizzard to being in the same like style of conversation as EA? Like that you get purchased crazy. by Activision. Yeah. yeah, but they've been, they've been owned by Activision for a long time. Like this wasn't something that happened last week. Yeah, but you had at the time you had my Mike Morheim at the helm, who was basically yeah. a brick wall. Yeah, the it's leadership like, was much different. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh, but at, at the same at the same token, by the same token, which is a, a cliche that I just used. Uh, <laughs> yes. I think Activision at this point is uh, starting also to see uh, the writing on the wall. And possibly starting to pull back on this kind of stuff. Uh, Call of Duty, which is notorious, uh, is basically just going for a battle pass this year. Uh, whether it stays that way, I don't know. But where it very much seems uh, like all of the AAA publishers are starting to see where the winds are blowing. And, That's uh, the interesting part about all of this, isn't it? Where you're like, because they this can't just be a a only money thing anymore mm-hmm. you know there has to be i think especially with with younger folks coming into into gaming this is very much a, a uh not just a cultural identity thing but but it, it comes down i think to a certain extent to what you value and i think a lot of a lot of gamers out there are starting to go what's interesting to me the the, the best part about it frankly i think is that there's so much shit on the market now that this can absolutely be a I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and actually have it mean something. Yeah. I can't think of another time in gaming where, where we had that opportunity. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really curious to see how, how this will work in the future because you, you can't, you just, you can't do shit like this anymore. And I think really get away with it. Like, I think, you know, think about how, how many years we've spent with EA, like fucking just trying to skull fuck their customers. Yeah. You know, and then people seem to just finally be like, I'm not going to just let you keep doing it. Yep. You know, I never thought I'd see the day and maybe this is where we're getting at. Cause it's not just, it's not just with games. It's with everything. I mean, you've seen, um, shares of different companies get hit just because of who they fucking supported. I mean, this whole big thing with the, the backlash that happened in football, you notice the NBA didn't do that shit. <laughs> the NBA didn't tell anybody to shut up. No. You know, Fucking Papa John's is has like I think on their fourth quarter of fucking loss because John Snyder is a fucking racist. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so I think people are also finally at the point where they're going, We don't really give a fuck what your product is. It's not enough. You know? 
Yeah. I think that's really – I mean, and I hope it stays that way. Yeah. And maybe that will be the kind of thing that gets these – maybe that's the solution to the big thing that we talked about in this this generation is not just – you're not just fucking with these people's money, but you're also fucking – you're really showing them what is socially acceptable to you entirely. And yep. maybe that's really good. Yeah. You know? All right. Whether the, all, they can afford all the losses in goodwill to have all of the money that Bobby Kotick was pulling in for them. Yeah. 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 So. They they can't afford all that money in a you know to put it in a rather um, amusing or ironic way. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so we'll wrap it up on uh, that lovely note. Uh, so if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, you could do so at anchor.fm slash d0update. Uh, hit the button, choose your platform, and uh, get our lovely oral uh, musings delivered straight into your ear holes. Yeah. Because I ripped that off from Brandon because he's awesome. Uh, hey, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can also check us out at smashpad.com uh, where we're going to have some uh, pretty good content coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, apart from that, uh, yeah, I have been uh, Filippo Dinolfo. So for uh, Patrick Mifflin, Brandon Perkins, Chris Sologi, Dan Rim, Victorio, and Lee Lamb, we will see you next week. <laughs>